to the conversation i'm Kyle russell uh utkia aj aj cameron regal i knew i cameron I knew you were gonna do that i knew you were gonna break out the saurian translator and show off or excuse me you probably got the saurian rosetta stone software and you just know this by heart by now um but yeah that's why i didn't that's 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 why I I took a back seat and I was like, you know what? I will just introduce this uh in in my native language. Uh but well, I mean, yeah. you're just saying your own name, so it wouldn't have been that different. Yeah, my 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 name is weird enough. It it does sound like it could be some sort of uh Krizoan tongue. Uh yeah, so this is uh an episode, Cameron, about Dinosaur Planet. This is also the beginning of a brand new baby season of, of the conversation. Just a little baby has just been born, and it is the conversation season nine. Now, uh, ha- ha- happy season nine, Cameron. Happy season nine. <laughs> yeah. Season nine. Season nine. Oh, okay. So you're just you're just blowing through all of the yep, the yep. Old just gonna standbys. kill every joke to death five minutes in. <laughs> That's the way we do it now. Well, we have a lot to get to, not just for this episode, but I I feel like with this entire season ahead of us. Now, lots of news has already broken that we'll be covering this year on the conversation, including episodes uh, to come on the docket, but. That includes, uh, so on the season eight finale, Jeff predicted that we would see a new Mario Golf game this year. That prediction has already come true. We're getting a new Mario Golf game for the Switch in June. Donkey Kong is in it, so that just ticks off so many boxes uh Mario Golf and Donkey Kong of uh, things that I enjoy. So obviously DK Vine will be covering uh the, the new Mario Golf game. Uh what was it called? Sugar Rush? Super Rush? What what's it called? Mario Golf Super Rush. Super Rush, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was like <laughs> what the all of the uh the subtitles become meaningless over a certain amount of time. I think once like Mario Tennis hit the um, no, I think it was like the 3DS era is when I started like having trouble memorizing the subtitles. But then you get like Mario Tennis, like Ultra Smash or something. And this one, I guess, at least has like some some meaning to it because I'm assuming it's referencing the new mode where you run after the ball. Yeah, it, the news also came out the day Rush Limbaugh died, which. <laughs> I guess that's synchronicity. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it looks really cool. I'm really looking forward to it. As Jeff said, we're long overdue for a new Mario Golf game, so I'm I'm all about this. Uh, additionally, uh, news has come out about Platonic. Platonic is branching out. They they're now going to be a games publisher themselves. 
with their new label, Platonic Friends, which is just taking that pun and just piling onto the pun. So if you didn't get that Platonic was a pun before, you sure as hell better get it now. Uh, which is really cool to see that they're they're going down this route. This is a route I've kind of been hoping they would take for themselves for, for a while. And we don't know if this means you know future games like ukulele games will be published by them themselves, but they're gonna it's gonna cast the spotlight on a lot of indie titles that would ordinarily fall through the cracks. And, you know, it sounds like, based on my needling on on social media, that all of these Platonic Friends releases might be featuring cameos by Platonic characters. Uh, now, that's just conjecture on my part. I have not had that confirmed by any, like, inside sources, but that's just based on my, because, uh, you know, something like this happens, and my first thought was, well, let's make sure these all these games are DKU. So I sent out a tweet. We're and, free marketing. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, uh, anyway, so it, it sounds like Platonic's already ahead of us there, and we don't know what capacity, but it, it looks, it, it looks to be good. So we'll, we'll need to be keeping an eye out on all these Platonic Friends games. Now, additionally, Yuka and Lele and Rextro have all secured yet another cameo appearance in the Kickstarter-funded uh, game Jitsu Squad. It's like a it's a it's a two D beat 'em up kind kind of game, so, sort of similar to Battletoads, which which we discussed last year with the new Battletoads twenty twenty. And uh, Jitsu Squad is Kickstarter funded, but it's already blown through its Kickstarter uh, and its initial goals. So it's it's being made, and I think this was the second attempt, their second attempt at doing a, uh, a Kickstarter campaign. The first one didn't go through, but it went through, I think, March of 2019, which was, of course, or March of 2020, excuse me, March of 2020. I'm so used to saying 2020. Uh, like shouting at the gods above me, 2020, uh, that I, I can't remember that it's 2021 now. They, uh, they had their first Kickstarter campaign in March of 2020, which, you know, that was not a good time to start anything of the sort when all society basically collapsed in on itself. So they're back now. They've got this big Yuka lately and Rextro cameo in it. And so we'll, we'll be we'll be keeping an eye out on Jitsu Squad. And uh, additionally, th- this is kind of uh, on that same topic. Cameron, you've done the cover art for a Switch game that I think is coming out Friday, March fifth. Am I am I correct there? Um, yeah, the game is, you're referring to is Anton Ball Deluxe. Um, it comes out on Steam. Uh, Friday, March 5th. Um, the Switch release does not come out that day, though there is a Switch release planned. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I uh, did the cover art for that, as well as I contributed some, uh, in a limited capacity, some in-game art as well. Um, most, cool. Uh, you'll see some of my work in the intro cutscene. I assume you didn't sneak Helmos the Dreadfully Evil into it. It's not part of the the DK Vine universe, but uh, it's it's kind of like a Kevin Bacon uh, six degrees situation here because 
in Anton Ball Deluxe, they've got a appearance by Clive from the upcoming Switch game Clive and Wrench, which, of course, has a cameo appearance from Trouser. Now, <laughs> this is where the concept of the DKU becomes very fraught and very argumentative on the DK Vine forum. Even your dog, Cameron, is like, hold on a second, Heil. Are you saying that Anton Ball Deluxe is not DKU? Because it's got Clive from Clive and Wrench, and Clive and Wrench has an appearance by Trouser. Uh, in all honesty, we, we need to, I think, properly litigate all of this, but, um, even if we were to come down on Anton Ball Deluxe not being DKU, um, if, if Clive and Wrench does not make a DKU, uh, I've already started the campaign to get Vendy from Ukulele and Ukulele and Impossible Lair in Anton Ball Deluxe, just based on the, uh, the, the Clive connection and the cameron regal connection considering you are also a b in impossible layer so uh i i'm probably not at liberty to comment on that either way but i cannot stop you you can't i'm a rogue i'm a loose agent you 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 have no control over me and i'm going to make your association with this game a nightmare for you so <laughs> but uh check out anton ball deluxe it will be on steam by the time this episode goes live so uh so take take a gander um anyway also, Cameron, uh, before we get into the topic at hand, I want to say I, I got a new phone. So I've had the same phone for like uh, going on six years now. And it was reaching the point where it would just not hold a charge. Like I would have to charge it three times a day. And it it like the, the connectors were so gunked up and no amount of cleaning would fix it. So I had to like prop it up in a certain position for it to get a charge. And eventually it just became so mind numbing that I was just like, okay, got to get a new phone. So, so I got the new phone finally, which I hate going into like Verizon, especially in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, sit down there and, and go through the whole process. Like it's, it's, I guess it's easier than getting an Xbox Series X at the moment, but it's still just, uh, I don't like, it, it feels like going to the doctor for a piece of technology. I, it just, it just combines the worst of both worlds in my mind, but I got one. And as a result, I can now play, um, more prolonged sessions of Mario Kart Tour. And I have actually been playing Mario Kart Tour. Off and on every single day for the last week and a half. And begrudgingly, I have to admit, I'm having a little bit of fun with it. And for those of you who are regular listeners to the conversation, who have listened to the Mario Kart Tour episodes I did with Gibbon, that might be a shocking revelation to hear me say uh, that I am actually a little bit kind of... Enjoy- I still have problems with it, but uh, I think... Just getting able, getting, getting time to relax and play it whenever I want at my leisure without worrying about, well, my phone isn't going to hold up. I need to preserve the battery life or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's causing me to just subconsciously reevaluate it and reevaluate my past, uh, antagonism towards it. So, 
you know, I, I will be talking a little bit more about Mario Kart Tour, I guess, uh, once they add Cranky and K. Roll this year, I'm assuming. And uh, this yeah, is going to how we're going to get Crunch back. I know it. Uh, I mean, look, if they know what's best for them, they've got this character they own. Oh, we're going to be getting into some Diddy Kong racing rights on this episode. We we can't escape it. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I kind of am. I see the appeal of Mario Kart Tour. I'll put it that way. I may not like absolutely love it, but I'm starting to get why people do even if it is a massive shakedown for cash. But, hey, I got Donkey Kong today. I finally unlocked Kong after playing for about a week and a half. And, uh, you know, it didn't cost me any real-world money. So, And not only did I unlock Donkey Kong, I unlocked the Burning DK logo for my uh, my little profile. Kind of like the Sea of Thieves titles, I guess. You get these little profile badges and I, I got the Burning DK, like, right before I unlocked Donkey Kong. So I was like, well, sweet. Uh, I'm all set. So I got Donkey Kong. I got the Barrel Train cart. Weird to see Donkey Kong in a Barrel Train cart because, you know, as a Mario Kart veteran, he's too big for it. But, you know, they built a different model for him. So he can fit in that one, and it's fine. So I've got a Donkey Kong cart. I've got a Donkey Kong badge. I've got a Donkey Kong character. I just need to unlock the other three. but And then there's a DK Jumbo and the Rambi Rider. But whatever. I'm set. I can actually enjoy the game without playing as a Koopaline or whatever. And uh, so I'll be talking more about that too. Uh, so if you're a fan of Mario Kart Tour but you hated my takes on it, uh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this is Jungle Beat all over again. Who knows? All right, Cameron. Let's talk about Dinosaur Planet. And... Now, we've brought up Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures on the conversation before. I think back in Season 1, we did an episode on Dinosaur Planet. So it was it was a long, long time ago. And it's been a long time since we've really dedicated uh, this much time to it. And we actually haven't even done a, a Star Fox Adventure spotlight yet. Because, you know, I was kind of saving that for, I guess, the 20th anniversary next year. But... You know, this won't be our definitive statement on Dinosaur Planet and all the revelations that have come out about Dinosaur Planet. Um, I, I don't want this episode to like be the last word on it because I, I feel like the the great thing about what's been happening in the past couple of weeks is I feel like this whole corner of the Donkey Kong universe, uh, call it the Dinosaur Planet trilogy, the DKU Star Fox games, however you want to define it. This kind of closed off uh, spinoff of the DKU that you know, hasn't had a new game in something like 15 years. It It is actually seen renewed interest. And I can like post... Star Fox adventure stuff on social media without feeling apologetic about it. It feels relevant for the first time in a long time on DK Vine. And that's so exciting to me because I absolutely adore Star Fox Adventures and I love talking about Star Fox Adventures. So if I have an excuse to talk about Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures, yeah, I'm going to use and abuse that. Absolutely. So... I'm sorry if you don't like uh, any of this, but this this will be coming back up on the conversation for as much as I can milk it. I I will milk that Thorntail and, and drink it up. So, um, anyway, so 
Cameron, uh, if you, and I don't mean you, I mean the general you, the audience at home. If you fell into a scarab well before the last few weeks, you may not know that the site Forest of Illusion got their hands on a Nintendo 64 build of Dinosaur Planet that dates to December 1st of the year 2000, right before, I guess, they would have shifted development to the GameCube. And how they got this is a bit of a mystery. All they said was that it was taken from the disc of a, quote, private game collector in Sweden, end quote. And that sounds like a Bond villain to me. Like, a private game collector in Sweden sounds like... I, I, I don't even know, but I'm picturing somebody, like, in, like, uh, a Dr. No jacket or something. Just, like, hoarding all of these games and arcade cabinets in the, these, like, sterile white hallways. Um, but, yeah... It somehow they got it, presumably from somebody at Rare once upon a time, or somebody at Manor Park who smuggled it out. And then this is how Forest of Illusion got their hands on it. So uh, th- this is from the N64 build of Dinosaur Planet, one of them, but from the very end of that kind of development cycle before it would have shifted to the GameCube. And we know this too, not just from the date, but because of a startling revelation in the ROM itself. Uh, it doesn't star... Not really. It doesn't star the character of Saber. It stars an early version of Fox McCloud in Dinosaur Planet. Um, had we known that Fox McCloud and the whole integration into Star Fox Adventures was happening while the game was still an N64 game, had we known this before this point, Cameron... If it had been known, I certainly did not know about it. I was kind of always under the impression that Dinosaur Planet was releasing so late into the N64's life cycle that it was bound to get kicked down the road to the GameCube at some point anyway. And I had kind of assumed that came part and parcel with the heavy retool into Star Fox Adventures, but I definitely did not expect anything like this. Um... Yeah, I feel like, so I get a little bit murky on Dinosaur Planet and, and Dinosaur Planet like history. Uh, so I feel like this might, this knowledge might have been rattling around some cobwebby recesses in the back of my brain, but it wasn't certainly something I retained because it was like, and we've certainly never seen the visual evidence of it that, that Fox McCloud was put into the N64 build of dinosaur planet uh, until now. And, uh, and that- I, I guess that's really it. Like the, regardless of how the development cycle went, it, it didn't really matter much, um, which kind of came first in this scenario because we, didn't have this make this build makes this real this makes this something you can see yeah happening yeah Yeah, so like they they released it early saturday morning at least here in the u.s it was early saturday morning so uh like i woke up and you know showered and went went to the computer to do my, my dk vine business for the day and 
didn't expect to have to uh, process all of this information that there was a dinosaur planet ROM leak and that Fox McCloud was in it, not Saber. Uh, and, and I say Fox McCloud, not Saber, but aside from the character model and like a line of dialogue, everything about it is Saber still. Um, but you can tell it's like very transitional. Like, yes. Like, I would say that this seems like almost a. Like a like in a proof of concept stage, sure. Obviously, it's kind of weird to see because the the split between Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures in our heads is like the N sixty four game and the GameCube game, and so to see kind of the the point where they met in the middle and the development uh, changes up a lot of what we know. And it also is sort of sort of helps bring them together a little bit more. Like I, I, I can see now the clear evolution from Saber to Fox McCloud. So in some ways, this actually makes Star Fox Adventures feel more like the original Dinosaur Planet in my mind. Just seeing how it got to this point, this is like the missing link in the middle. But um. You know, Dinosaur Planet was a game that I, you know, when it was announced uh, back at the turn of the century, uh, I I was interested in it. I, I was hyped for it. And you know, especially knowing that it was coming from, I guess, the Diddy Kong Racing Team, right? And that it would have the character of Tricky in it. It meant that, you know, it, it was a new rare property that we knew from the outset was going to be DKU. It wasn't this game that we often play where a rare game is announced and then we're like, okay, is it going to be part of the DKU? Is there going to be a character appearance in it? Uh, which pretty much defined everything from Grab by the Ghoulies to Viva Pinata to Sea of Thieves and now Everwild and you know, even Ukulele uh, and, and Platonic for a bit. You know, we were like, we got to have them get a goldfish in this game. And <laughs> I mean, we won there. And generally, we can. We can push things into the DKU realm. We have enough weight now. We can, we can push them around like sumo wrestlers to get what we want. But just, just enough weight to get something minor to appease us. But um, this was back in a day where like we, we, did, we didn't know. And we were just these idiot teenagers with a website. And the whole DKU concept was just down to the whims of the teams at rare so so i was like oh this 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 new mythology this new ip from rare and we're gonna get to cover it on dk vine uh and let's just clear up right now why dinosaur planet and then star fox adventures is part of the dku because this is still something that blows people's minds or it's some it's something that people vehemently disagree uh, about when they hear our take on it. But our position is that the character of Prince Tricky of the Earthwalkers is the same character as the boss of Dino Domain from Diddy Kong Racing, Tricky. All right. And when you look at the history and we're going to be getting into the the history even before Dinosaur Planet of this game's development. I think that becomes even more clear that they started out as the same character. I think that was even confirmed by Lee Loveday back on Scribes way back when. 
uh, that, yeah, they started out as the same character. Uh, but, you know, over time, as the project developed and changed focus and became something else, somehow this little dinosaur sidekick named Tricky hung on desperately for dear life. It made the transition into a Star Fox 64 sequel with a character named Tricky uh, intact. And so while I think the attitudes of much of the Star Fox Adventures team was that, well, no, they're not the same Tricky. It's just the, the character just, we never renamed it. Um, DK Vine's position is that's ridiculous. Of course, they're the same Tricky. It's a rare dinosaur character named Tricky. How could they not be the same character? It's at least and very that, funny in context that there, there is absolutely no reason for him to be named Tricky, if not for the fact that he that, started, like, it yeah. had roots in them being the Diddy Kong Racing team. That that was our take, too. And, you know, there's even a line of dialogue where uh, when Fox first hears Tricky's name, he even has an aside, like, nice name. Like, even he knows there's no reason why this character would be named Tricky unless he was a cheating asshole in a racing game. Uh, but I think, uh, ultimately, like, as the years have gone by, more people at Rare and Platonic whether or not they worked on uh, Star Fox Adventures and or Diddy Kong Racing, they've reluctantly come to the notion that, okay, it could be the same dinosaur. We don't really care. And there's probably a whole host of legal issues we don't want to wade into after the split from Nintendo. But fine, DK Vine, you can, you can have your little cookie here uh, if he'll just shut you up. Same way we got Royston and Viva Pinata, essentially. But... uh yeah, it it actually works really well when you look at Star Fox Adventures and then Star Fox Assault, where Tricky reappears. Uh, you look at the arc of the character in Star Fox Adventures, he says, I want to explore the stars. He basically, like, Fox becomes his role model, and he's like, I want to, like, you've inspired me, I want to go out and explore uh, stars, the planets. I want to. I want to explore the universe because of you, Fox. And then in Star Fox Assault, his family dies. Uh, like the the entirety of Dinosaur Planet comes under attack by uh, these invading insects called Aperoids. Uh, yada yada yada. And the planet is, I believe, in your words, Cameron, curb stomped. And then, uh, so Tricky leads an exodus from Dinosaur Planet across the stars, eventually settles on Timbers Island, and founds Dino Domain. Uh, it works well, especially when Star Fox Assault weirdly uh, bridges the two designs of Tricky, little baby Tricky and gruff boss Tricky from Diddy Kong Racing, and it's not Kev Bayless doing the voice in Star Fox Assault, but the voice sounds like this perfect middle ground of when baby Tricky reaches puberty and, and he's, he's going through like this adolescence and you can say, oh yeah, I can hear how that absolutely goes into adult Tricky. It's very eerie how well it lines up because it can't possibly have been the intention at all, but no, I here think we have what like a... This is a much larger version of Tricky, like one canonically one year after Adventures. And yeah, I think well, what, I, think I don't know happened. who's doing the new voice, but it it sounds like Kev Bayless's voice, just like tr like going through an awkward squeaky voice teen phase. 
Well, and I think that's what happened is that, uh, you know, Kev Bayless did the voice for Tricky in Diddy Kong Racing too, right? I w- was never 100% sure on Diddy Kong Racing's credits bar certain characters, and Tricky's one of the ones I'm not 100% sure on. It sounds like Kev Bayless to me, like his his uh, his American accents, um, but... You know, it, let's assume that Kev Bayless did both trickies. Uh, so if you're going to approximate, uh, if you're going to if you're going to bring in another voice actor to do young Tricky going through puberty, then if you get somebody who tries to impersonate Kev Bayless's take, they're going to probably stumble upon like something close to that adult tricky voice too and then we get this perfect continuity meld just so uh, we don't get uh, notes on it i did look up the name uh, the credit is chet morgan for uh, tricky's voice in assault in assault well, I... not not uh not oh, oh, Diddy Kong oh okay i was like i don't even know who that is <laughs> i'm a bad rare fan uh no uh, right, that, well. that's the rough thing with diddy kong racing all the voice credit like the the credits name all of the voice actors, but they don't specify who they played. So you kind of just have to infer it all, and uh, you're unable to infer very much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, that that's why Dinosaur Planet is DK was going to be DKU, and why Star Fox Adventures is DKU. But you know, Dinosaur Planet's hype, it, its reveal, and, and its general like release of info on rare's website back in the day it overlapped with games like Donkey kong 64 and banjo Tooie. and in those early dk vine days its coverage was mostly handled by the likes of chad and ben cosmina they were the big like dinosaur planet stands on the site they were the ones who were really like jazzed up about it meanwhile i think my problem was as much as i was looking forward to dinosaur planet and knew i would be all in once it came out uh rare was revealing some really dense mythology about this game and for me if if i don't actually have a product in front of me be it a book or a movie or a video game and you just give me like the printout of this is this is the mythology of this i i can't wrap my head around it it's it's basically like a foreign language i've never learned i i it, i it's like uh the works of tolkien you know before i had actually it would be like handing me the similarian before I saw the Peter Jackson movies. I would be like, what is this? Uh, so it wasn't tangible for me in the slightest. And I just kind of let them cover Dinosaur Planet while I focused on things I did understand, like Banjo. And when it became Star Fox Adventures colon Dinosaur Planet, uh, I wasn't really that upset uh, because it still had Tricky. It was still DKU. So we didn't really lose anything. And... Star Fox Adventures was still, in my mind, a great game. And I I think my opinion is that it mostly gets the most amount of crap from three corners of what I call a triangle of hate. Uh, And that is, like, Nintendo loyalists who are distrustful because it's kind of like Zelda, but not really Zelda. Star Fox loyalist who just wanted, you know, more of Star Fox 64, which was a great game. And and then, oh, the next Star Fox game is this adventure game on foot with dinosaurs. Uh, and Rare Loyalist, who ate that is not Dinosaur Planet. 
Uh, and, you know, that's that's just a broad kind of assessment. Obviously, a lot of us, you know, don't fall into that triangle. But uh, from from my, what I see from the reactions you know, outside of DK Vine, outside of our audience here on The Conversation, uh, that, that's kind of the impression I get. And, hell, I've told this story before, but when I went to reserve it at uh, GameStop... The manager there tried to talk me out of it. GameStop, where they live and die by the amount of reservations they get, the manager of that GameStop said, you want to reserve Star Fox Adventures? I think you need to change your mind. Uh, Can you imagine? Like, you want to make a (laughs) pre-order? No, thank you. Yeah, he was like he, he he was so radicalized by hatred for this game that he was like, "I'm going to tank Star Fox Adventures at my own store." So I went to Circuit City. Remember, remember Circuit City, all you boomers out there. <laughs> so I went to Circuit City, and I reserved it there. Circuit City was basically Best Buy um, before Best Buy, but red um, instead of blue. Yeah, it, it it's red. I think it was like shaped like a big uh like wall plug or something. Yeah, something their like their that. ad campaign I remember used to be like a giant red plug falling from the sky and landing like by a storefront sidewalk. I have to admit I miss places like Circuit City and Radio Shack, like places that were like, Yeah, we sell technology and like that that's our gimmick like i i miss stores in the mall that just sold wires <laughs> just anyway that's just me waxy nostalgic on the conversation as i want to do uh but yeah i went to circuit city and i reserved it there which worked out better for me because i got the Star Fox adventures reservation kit you got for reserving the game at circuit city i got jones green apple soda called fox fuel and I got toilet paper. I got Star Fox Adventures toilet paper, which uh, I, I found when I visited my parents' house uh, a couple couple Christmases ago. So, look, all I want to say is I bet that GameStop manager wasn't laughing last year when toilet paper became scarce and he didn't have anything to wipe his ass with. He should have trusted in Star Fox Adventures. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's my little story. But yeah, if you focus on what Star Fox Adventures is versus what it isn't, uh, I think you'll find it's a fantastic game. Yeah, so I had a I had an odd relationship with Dinosaur Planet, um, kind of owing to where I was in the um, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. So the thing is, I, I didn't... I wasn't very online at that point in my life. Um, Like, I think I didn't have the internet until maybe 2000-ish, and even then it was dial-up. I haven't really discovered DK Vine or any of the other sort of places that would become, like, rare fan havens at the time. And because I wasn't on the pulse of anything to that degree, the way I first learned about Dinosaur Planet uh, was after it was already undergoing its retool into Star Fox Adventures. And it was from an issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly. Um, I think it was specifically issue 145, which was kind of a whole issue preview of the GameCube. Which, like, 
like a heavy dive into into melee. It had previews of or like previews as in like screenshots of Donkey Kong Racing. Um, I think Grunty's Revenge and Saber Wolf were in there. But it it had this little blurb about Star Fox Adventures that it was that the game formerly known as Dinosaur Planet had resurfaced as Star Fox Adventures Dinosaur Planet. And because of that, like, I don't even think I had fully grokked onto the fact that this was a rare game at the time. My interest in it was solely because I loved the heck out of Star Fox 64, and I loved the idea that it was going to be a Star Fox on foot game. Yeah, I think that's... That's funny that that's what you like drew you in because I remember when Star Fox 64 was out, how many people in my circles, like uh, friends, and you know, and and from what I heard from their friends, and how many of us who played Star Fox 64 was like, wouldn't it be cool to have a Star Fox game on foot? That that was really what we all wanted until we actually got it, and then nobody ever seemed to want it. I, it's like I was in the exact position to be targeted by the entire point of the rare Nintendo deal to convert the game. This is this is yeah. who they wanted to get uh, eyes on the game. And uh, I, I would eventually learn the history of Dinosaur Planet later and everything that kind of um, unfortunately had to get uh, shoved to the wayside to make it better fit the Star Fox universe slash get the game out on time. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I kind of I feel like I find myself in the small crowd that enjoyed it on the merits of being a Star Fox game, in spite right. of or even because of how very different it was from any previous understanding of Star Fox. I kind of liked what this sort of very different world. Um, and the the very the, the influence this very different world had kind of shoving a square peg into a round hole onto the Star Fox universe, the sort of ripple effect it had on Star Fox going forward. And uh, that's not to say I, I find it very hard to understand um, exactly how many people are fans of Star Fox Adventures, because it's in sort of a I don't. It's, I I mean, Star Fox Adventures, no disrespect saying this, but it's in kind of a Donkey Kong 64 situation where I feel like modern understanding of how people see it is more based on the modern reevaluation of it than its success at the time, because it was a very well-selling game. It was a like player's choice million seller, so it did pretty well for itself. Yeah, I think, you know, it was just an awkward spot when it came out because I think those people who weren't online and weren't, like, up on video game news, you know, who didn't know about the buyout, uh, just saw it as a very pretty, uh, very, like, uh, polished game starring uh, recognizable characters who they may have been introduced to in the N64 or before that the Super Nintendo and it, it was made by Rare who and you know they recognized that Rare Rare logo from all these games they really loved on the N64 uh, but then those who were like deeper into fandom 
they were already like upset that Rare was abandoning Nintendo and, and going to the rivals, the this upstart Microsoft console. And and so and they kind of took it out on Star Fox Adventures. So it was like divisive when it came out. And I, I feel like it 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 was kind of like this thing where the the normies, the 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 casual crowd really pushed it over the line and made it a million seller. But uh, if, if you actually went online to discuss it, it was a divisive game, in part because Rare was leaving. Rare, Rare was going to Xbox, and it, it didn't really matter the circumstances behind that. It was, I'm, I'm a Nintendo loyalist. I've already, you know, picked my console for this generation. It's the GameCube. Rare's deserting us, uh, and, and I'm... I need to rationalize in my head why that doesn't matter to me. And I need so to convince Fox... myself this wasn't a loss, so I don't have to buy an Xbox. So Star Fox Adventures has to become a bad game. And, you know, there are, like, elements of Star Fox Adventures that are rushed as a result of the impending buyout, but I think it holds together very well. It's not a Donkey Kong 64 situation where it's a jangly mess when you really look not even hard at it it it's it's well put together i mean it i mean even in donkey kong 64's case like it's it's glitchy but i think in a lot of ways you it's just like little unrefinements or things you have to go out of your way to break like i i think generally rare is pretty good about even if they put out a game that you can take conspicuous issues in re- within regards to its design or or story or other aspects of it they generally don't put out a broken game right yeah i mean at Don- donkey Kong 64 i think is just infamous i and is seen as a broken game a lot more because of the um the whole it requires the expansion pack to work because there's a game breaking bug in it that we can't find and oh no uh, it's just D- DK64 kind of a mess in a lot of places Star Fox Adventures I I would argue is is polished and ju- honestly like the the sheen of Star Fox Adventures I don't think there's a better looking GameCube game and you can make the case for a lot of GameCube games that are very pretty, very well done, and maybe look better in your eyes than Star Fox Adventures. But I think Star Fox Adventures, between the visuals and the soundtrack, it it's really upsetting to me in some ways that Rare never got another GameCube game because this was what they were able to do with their first. And, you know, you look at, like, early Rare N64 games versus where they wound up with Bad Fur Day... And you're like, oh, what would their GameCube games at the end of its life had looked like had they been able to keep this up? But, ah, well. Yeah, I think it's one of the prettiest games on the GameCube for the entirety of its life, um, despite how early it hit in the GameCube's life cycle. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think some of the reason I love the way Star Fox Adventures work looks is because... Some of its art direction is still informed by um, choices they would have made on the N64 um, in that it's a game that has a very realistic bent to it, but also a very 
colorful bent to it, kind of reminding me of the like heavy reliance on vertex shading in Banjo Kazooie, where you have multicolored walls um, in like varying hues butted up against each other. There's a lot of very bright, vibrant color spaces and areas informed by color identity in Star Fox Adventures. And it avoids the problem that would plague like later games of shooting for realism and then kind of ending up with a brown or gray soup. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. And you know, cons- considering like I kept going back to Star Fox Adventures throughout that era of when games started becoming brown soup and it it really was just remarkable how gorgeous it looked as a contrast to where the industry was going. Um, but, yeah, so yeah, I mean, Star Fox Adventures is in my top 10 games of all time, still to this day. I think I've got it, like, solidly at number 10. Uh, but I adore it. I adore it still. And I, I will sit here and I will defend it all day to the haters. I don't care. And to those rare partisans, uh, and, and, you know, I, I am among the most infamous rare partisans in the fandom, but to, to those who say Nintendo ruined it, Nintendo made it Star Fox Adventure. We, there was, a <laughs> there was a, a little Photoshop on DK Vine back in the day of Miyamoto dresses the Grim Reaper in reference to him killing Dinosaur Planet. So even we overreacted at the time. But um, to the people who are like, I, I would have preferred Dinosaur Planet. And I'll, I'll touch upon this more near the end of the show. I would say that, you know, I had conversations with members of the team, such as Nick Burton at E3 2015. And that really helped put any lament for the loss of Dinosaur Planet sans Star Fox behind me because you know as they explained it there was real no animosity towards the change among the team they were kind of happy about it because it would draw more eyeballs to their product and aside from a few you know obvious changes which we'll i think we'll get into here much of dinosaur planet's core fundamentals were carried over to star fox adventures they added our wing missions and this that and the other but like even if you look at the rom that's leaked it and while the differences are stark it was familiar at the same time i was like oh yeah this is this bit from star fox adventures now now i'm in this bit from star fox adventures i'd like it to like being in the same house with completely different furniture it's that's kind of how i felt about it um and like my overall evaluation i think where i land on the were we better off for getting Dinosaur Planet or Star Fox Adventures is I lament some of the things we lost when the game lost its identity as Dinosaur Planet, but I don't regret what we have because I love Star Fox Adventures for what it is. Yeah, and, you know, combine it with, like, all the leaked footage that came out several years ago, um, and, you know, it seemed to really back up everything... This, the team was saying and that we're saying here plus there's the fact that we did get follow-ups to some of the characters and the plot in star fox assault and command and so you know that means to me i think we might have gotten the better deal because had it remained dinosaur planet 
I, I very much doubt there would have been a sequel. We might have gotten like an Xbox remake a la Conquer Live and Reloaded. I don't know. But I think, you know, the most we could have hoped for would be Saber and Crystal would have appeared in things like iDarb. Um, the game would have been bundled in Rare Replay, which would have been a plus. We get a ship set in Sea of Thieves. But, you know, even though those are all really cool things, I think I'll take a loose trilogy of Star Fox games that were informed by the Dinosaur Planet mythology over uh, anything that we... Like the scraps we would have gotten uh, had it remained Dinosaur Planet. And, you know... I think that I said Star Fox Adventures is my top 10 games. Uh, I think the team behind it um, is, is it Lee Schoenman? Is, is that his name? Um, Lee I, I Schoenman is how I pronounce Schoenman. it, but I don't know that that's correct. I don't know how to pronounce uh, your last name, Lee, but it, it's Schoenman, Schoenman. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think his team at Rare in the 90s was right up there with the males team in my esteem, as far as making games that I think fit my preferences and philosophies and just general taste, like made Diddy Kong racing made star Fox adventure that appeals to me. I, everything about those games appeals to me. So anyway, speaking of Diddy Kong racing, uh, we, as, as this ROM leaked, uh, we got some revelations from Kev Bayless, who wrote an editorial over at Andy Robinson's... Hold on. I got a drink. Hold on. I get open. Andy Robinson. All right. Um, Over at Andy Robinson's site, VGC, Kev Bayless uh, wrote about his experiences making the jump from Dinosaur Planet to Star Fox Adventures. And in this editorial, he brought up that this is something we already knew, but it's not well known to, I think, anybody outside of the hardcore Rare fandom. Is that Dinosaur Planet started out as a project starring Timber from Diddy Kong Racing. And it would be a time-traveling adventure back to prehistoric times. And, and we knew this, uh, but to hear it confirmed in such stark detail... That that was pretty cool. It's very strange to see it in black and white like this because from what I had always heard, it always seemed like a sort of in hushed whispers thing that you know, like the baseline concepts of Timber might have had a solo adventure at one point planned on the N64 and it might have been Dinosaur Planet. But no, yeah. this is just hard line confirmation. That's exactly what it was and he was going to be a time traveler with a rucksack and fingerless gloves and yeah. have a little dinosaur sidekick like painting a very vivid picture of this yeah and so we don't know if this was going to be a like diddy kong racing prequel i hypo- hypothesize that maybe this would explain how dinosaurs got to timber's island is timber brought them back from the past maybe it's just me reading too much into it and they didn't really have a plan as related to lore, but um, the fact that Tricky was in the game uh, when it was a more direct descendant of Diddy Kong Racing, I, I think it would have come up for sure. Uh, but the funniest thing about this story uh, is, and Kev kind of mentions it in 
in the context of this article that Timber was at one point going to be the marquee character of Diddy Kong Racing before it was called Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. But then yes. Diddy Kong took over the project. Yeah. And so became the, the star. The funny, the, the funny like capper to all of that is that the change to Star Fox Adventures was negotiated behind the scenes with Nintendo at E3 2000. Just like Pro-Am 64 became Diddy Kong Racing behind the scenes at E3 1997. So, three years later, Timber got... Well, I mean, granted, Timber was already removed from the project. But, essentially, this project that starred Timber at one point uh, got control seated to a Nintendo-owned IP behind the scenes at E3. And it, it's the same team too. It's, it's that's that's what's so funny to me. Like this is the Diddy Kong Racing team. I have to wonder to myself. Like eventually, the end point of this story is eventually, uh, you know, they decide Timber's not working out. Um, they rethink the design. Dinosaur Planet's main character becomes Saber the Wolf, and I have to think to myself: Were they more comfortable ditching Timber from the project? Because he was already kicked off of Diddy Kong Racing and therefore did not have any star power to cash in on or carry forward. I don't know. I mean, because the thing is, you know, Banjo, Kazooie, and Conker, they were obviously already in development. They were in development concurrently with Pro Am 64. Uh, even though they made their debut when it became Diddy Kong Racing and that came out before their own games. But, you know, they were kind of all on the same level in Diddy Kong Racing because we did not know who Banjo was. The, the general population did not know who Banjo was. The general population did not know who Conker was. And they both got their own games. And so I think you could really spin off any of those characters in the years after Diddy Kong Racing. It's like, oh, here's Timber. You might remember him from Diddy Kong Racing, just like somebody might remember that Bear Banjo from Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, it's just funny that like by way of transitive property, Timber had his lunch eaten by Nintendo characters twice. Yeah, I I, I think as we've discussed in the DK Vine Inner Circle, uh, since this news broke, Diddy Kong Racing is just a cursed property. It, it's just any attempt to get a sequel made falls apart or becomes something else, and it like the characters have various tragedies befall them either in development or in universe really the only character who's really escaped the wrath of diddy kong racing is diddy kong himself so <laughs> but yeah i mean timber I, I i like the character of timber even if he is just tiger diddy kong uh, i like diddy kong so of course i'm going to find timber appealing uh and i always like i always thought in the back of my mind, you know, when Rare went to Xbox, it would have been cool to see them do a Donkey Kong Country style game just with Timber and his family and his world and, and kind of have them be, you know, the stand-ins for the Kongs. But unfortunately, that era, that initial era on the Xbox, uh, 2D platformers were not in vogue at the moment. And there was just never a good window to do something like that. But anyway, um, I, I I find it interesting, too, that 
you know, Nintendo was like, hey, you know, we've been thinking about doing an on-foot Star Fox game, and your characters in this game look very much like Star Fox characters. It would be great if we could marry these concepts together. But I don't know if you paid attention to the uh, opening, I guess, um, opening screen on the ROM where it gave, like, the copyright information, but Dinosaur Planet was a rare game. And by that, I mean it was published it was going to be published by rare they were going to have all ownership over these characters and so when they negotiated this with nintendo and had it become a star fox game this wasn't like diddy kong racing where they just had the star fox characters licensed to them like diddy kong and crunch and banjo at the time banjo was the nintendo character uh here like nintendo got everything they got the the ownership over the project, it became a Nintendo IP. Um, and I find that interesting because I've never really thought what Dinosaur Planet was going to be, if it was going to be Nintendo published or Rare published. It makes sense it was going to be Rare published, but that makes it all the more shocking that it became uh, fully owned by Nintendo. Especially, like, two years before the buyout, too. Like, Rare lost all of these concepts and properties, uh, right out from under them but with that in mind it's not surprising that nintendo like would willingly part with their stakes in like the banjo kazooie ip given how complicated the entire like near decade of right sharing between the two companies had been you know they probably just wanted to make sure they had everything donkey kong and Star Fox locked down uh and they were like more than happy to part with stuff like banjo kazooie if that meant they could just get these properties that they had created under their control but yeah kev also shared some uh, early concept art from star fox adventures too so i'm sure you want to speak on that yeah um i really wanted to talk about these drawings because they're a very fun look at like what might have been or like the first sort of tr- try attempts to reconcile these two universes together and like right off the bat, it looks like they were like they were already discussing in the meeting, or at least Kev was kind of thinking like Crystal's going to need to kind of be redesigned to fit in with the Star Fox cast. Yeah, and I really like these concept drawings; they're very fun. Um, I I th- I say this with like with absolutely no disrespect to Kev Bayless, but. In these crystal designs, I definitely sense, like, a type of character design elements he gravitates towards in, <laughs> in that, like, like, hey, you have to make a character look tough and cool, put spikes on him. <laughs> I, I mean, it was essentially still the 90s, Cameron, so, you know, spikes, and be glad she doesn't have any big, like, pouches like leg pouches on our costume. I mean, I, I say that again, I say this all with respect. I love this sort of this in between design. I like the, the Mohawk and the like Fang necklace <laughs> and the, the dinosaur in like strapped boots or yeah, like leggings. Yeah. 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 I mean, this stuff is really cool to see. And, what, what what struck me about seeing the original model of Crystal uh, in this ROM was, like, how much less sexualized she seemed to be, like, versus, and I think Kev's 
art, like much like Kev's proposed uh, design for the new Donkey Kong appearance. Uh, they, they're just a lot more extreme than what would eventually we would have a melding of the two, right? Like that, that famous comparison shot of Mr. Miyamoto's original sketch for how Donkey Kong should look in Donkey Kong Country. And then Kev Bayless's proposed sketch and like, well, let's find a nice middle ground. And I guess they sort of did that with Crystal here too, where we got the, the original, well, of course the original one is from Rare, you know, but the, the original Crystal versus Kev Bayless's maybe uh, extreme spiked warrior version of Crystal and a middle ground. We'll go with the middle ground. Yeah, I... It's weird because I feel like I don't see much of a through line in the this crystal versus the one we got other than that they clearly went older. Um I there's a very similar crystal drawing to the final crystal that we got from a uh, a uh, Nick Southam who did a lot of the blue pencil concept art that people heavily associate with Dinosaur Planet. Like it's even in this build I think on the menu screens. Yeah, um, yeah, which I love. I love the menu screens, by the way. If I forget to mention them, uh, th- I guess that is one thing I miss because I-, I prefer the menu screens here versus uh, the one with just Fox hanging out in the Great Fox. But yeah, I, I do love the the interior of the Great Fox a lot. But I do also enjoy that we get to hear the Dinosaur Planet main main theme. Mm-hmm. In the in the build that leak because it is a wonderful piece of music that you don't hear in the final realization of the game, and I think yeah. in one one of the details that's since come out about from from people who've sort of torn the ROM apart is a partially intact intro that was going to be paired with, and that's sort of the fulfillment of something I never thought I would see because. I remember downloading the MP3 of the original Dinosaur Planet theme. Even after the game uh, was retooled, Rare would still host old music on their website, and I did download some of it. And I kept trying to imagine, like, this this is a really cool piece of music. It's very trailer-y. I have to imagine these were cues set up to a greater scene, and I wonder how it would have played out. And mm. now I finally have an idea of what that would have been. But yeah, I you know it, it's it's it was cool to hear Kev's take on how it went down because again, the important thing to get gather is there was no animosity that oh you're taking our project and you're turning it into something Nintendo branded. Um, it was just basically like okay, how do we do this? How do we do it justice? How do we do Star Fox justice? And how do we retain the integrity of our own? Uh, project and this world we've built up and we can really see from the rom like how they kind of walk that line and you know because even looking at the notes kev shared it's amazing how much they had figured out like right away um we like we want to put we want to put an r wing in the game um we want to target 60 fps we want like to re make the character designs more realistic for the mammoths and such. Um, Fox is going to have the staff. Yeah, and in in the ROM, you know, the, like, Fox does not have the staff. He has his own weapon um, that functionally serves the same purpose as the staff and can do the same things as the staff. But, yeah, so so the ROM, let's get into this because it is... 
I, I, that's not really a hybrid because it, it shows a glimpse of the early dinosaur planet mythos and all they've really done is they've put in a new design for Saber and in one line of dialogue he's called Fox McCloud um, it, but it's still basically dinosaur planet right um, it, it's it's not they haven't really integrated anything from the broader Star Fox Lilat system mythos into this game yet aside from that one character so it's a bit hard to get a read on what was always intended to be there versus what you know was being added and what they had already earmarked to be removed at this point um the impression i get which i kind of alluded earlier to earlier is i think it's sort of a my read on it is it's sort of a transitionary proof of concept in that it's sort of saying let's one-to-one replace Saber with Fox, replace any dialogue that absolutely does not make any sense whatsoever because he's Fox and not Saber, and just see how much makes sense. Yeah. And whatever doesn't will have to change further. But this will at least give us an idea of how this is going to work moving forward. Yeah, it 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 feels like they were starting to test the waters and. I think like they had the core of Dinosaur Planet built. So there was like, how do we make this work for Star Fox? Well, first let's add Fox and then we'll go from there. And obviously by the time we got to Star Fox Adventures, a lot had changed and also very little had changed. It's it's weird to me how you're, you're like when you look at the final product um, what was de-emphasized or removed entirely, and what was given greater prominence. So uh, let's get into it. Um, so we're n- we're not going to be talking about like everything in the ROM. So for most people, the ROM sort of starts breaking down uh, by the time you get past uh, Snowhorn uh, Waste. When you get back to uh, Swapstone Hollow, uh, what's Thorntail Hollow in Star Fox Adventures. Uh, and people have been able to progress further using various tricks. We're not going to get that far into it. We're just going to talk about the the first set piece with Crystal and the first set piece with Fox and a little bit after that. And then um, we'll, we'll share some more thoughts there. But yeah, I... I I've only played that far. I haven't really tried to push uh, the ROM any any more than I already have. And I don't know if I have any desire to really because my curiosity has been satiated, at least for now. At the very least, what we'll cover is by far the most functional part of what is there. And therefore, I think paints the most complete picture of where they were planning to go with it. Right, like I said, this is not the definitive episode about Dinosaur Planet or Star Fox Adventures. We're going to be talking a lot more about it if I have any say in the matter. So this is just kind of to reintroduce it to the language of the conversation and know, hey, this is going to be a a well we, we are going to jump down into every now and again. Second time I mentioned the wells, but and whatever. All right, so the game starts off... Ju- the same with Crystal riding in on a Cloud Runner ally and getting ambushed by General Scales' flying galleon, 
And, you know, this this was very familiar to anybody who's played Star Fox Adventures. And, you know, we've seen footage of this before, so it wasn't that surprising. Like, this... I, I think once I you get, we actually got past this, this is when it started to feel like, whoa, I'm actually playing Dinosaur Planet. This isn't this isn't just like this a low res foggy version of Star Fox Adventures. Um, the 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 big thing here though, lore wise, is the character of Kite. So Star Fox Adventures has the caged Cloud Runner on General Scale ship that. It's never really like a, a functioning character. She's there. She's there in a cage, and you never get any context or backstory or anything about. You never her. get a name, even. We you never get a name. We assume that it's uh, supposed to be Kite, but it could be any Cloud Runner with the way it's presented to us. Right here, though, originally in Dinosaur Planet, you know, Saber and Crystal were of equal status. It's not like Star Fox Adventures where Crystal is entombed in this stasis state by Andros and is used as this channeler for Krizoan energies. Star Fox Adventures is weird, but um, they, they are they are equal characters and they each have their own dino sidekick. Yeah, it is something, it's one of the things I do lament about the conversion over to Star Fox Adventures and that's Crystal is so much more of a character in this build in just the brief yeah. glimpse we get of her. Yeah, and it's it's funny to me how often this happened during this era of rare because not only did it happen here with Dinosaur Planet, but it happened with Conquer too. Originally Conquer and Barry were were equal characters in uh, 12 Tales. And then when it became Bad Fur Day, Barry was uh, shunted off and and became just this side character. Uh, But originally she was fully playable. She would have her own adventures and own chapters. Um, I guess Crystal still made out better in that she lived. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Crystal, her integrity as a character. Well, for one thing, like Barry became uh, just as heinous as Conker. And uh, at least Crystal is still heroic. Crystal is still um, this uh, virtuous figure who then, you know, appears in the two follow-ups, Assault and Command, and uh, is also in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as a spirit and an assist trophy. So, you know, it could have been worse. Could've, yeah, could've been I, like I feel better. like she's still, like, very much the same character in Star Fox Adventures. We just don't get to see her do nearly as much. Yeah, like I said, yeah, it, like design-wise here, she's younger and she's like, like I, I don't know, but I do feel like she's generally the same character. She doesn't have the same motivation here, obviously, because in Star Fox Adventures, there's this whole backstory where she's from the planet Cernia and it was destroyed under mysterious circumstances. It's later to be inferred that it was Andros' spirit doing a dry run of what he did on uh, Dinosaur Planet. By the way, anytime I say Soria instead of Dinosaur Planet, they're the same place. Star Fox Assault established that Dinosaur Planet's actual name is Soria, uh, but 
so it, it's it's easy for us to kind of mix and match. But Saria doesn't come from Rare. That comes from Namco. It's a change um, I ultimately like because in every iteration of this game, it's weird when they call the world Dinosaur Planet, even though that yeah. was the name of the game. Yeah, I I I, I do think that's weird too. <laughs> I, it's like calling Earth Human Planet. It's which honestly, yeah, it, it's 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 almost like campy a little bit <laughs> to just every time they say that especially with the saurian language um which is another thing is there's no saurian language here it's all spoken in english yeah and it definitely it definitely helps you take the conversations in dinosaur planet more seriously than in Star Fox adventures where you don't have a an entire like part partial sentence constructed out of cipher language and then finish it off with general scales in plain English because what is a general what does a word (laughs) general mean to a dinosaur that doesn't have the word general in its lexicon we were talking about this on our CFD stream uh, the other day but I I like the nonsense that is the Saurian language, because again, it's campy. Like I don't mind the Star Fox adventure. It, it's fun, it's like Silver camp. Age comic book camp. But, yeah, but it is. Yeah. It is like easy to poke holes in. Sure, sure, but I, I have to admit, I do miss the the attempt. Like what, one of my biggest pet peeves in sci-fi, uh, or sci-fi fantasy, is that. When when all aliens speak English or I guess whatever language it's dubbed in, and there's no like attempt at rationalizing it, like I just give me a little. I don't care how stupid the explanation is. Like I have a universal translator or 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 whatever. Just give me something so I can just be like, okay. To the credit of the Saurian language. One, the cipher is very, very fun, and I yes. like that they give you the notes on how it works. And two, it leads to some of my favorite moments in the game because in Star Fox Adventures, because unlike um, in this Dinosaur Planet build, Fox does have that communication breakdown, and... He, where he has to get Slippy to translate for him, and he's just so frustrated that he can't understand what he's hearing. Like he, I mean, that's, it's kind of a high point of Star Fox Adventures in general is Fox's complete exhaustion with everything he has to deal with, rolling his eyes or like screaming out in frustration. <laughs> yeah, it really like Star Fox Adventures. I think changed the way I view the character of Fox because I view him as somebody who is very quick to just be like team with frustration over the very exi- like every like he, he is basically um like your your sci-fi flyboy kind of archetype, right? He's a hot shot in the in the cockpit. But then when you get you get him out of that element and he he just falls apart. It's, <laughs> he's like I, he's 
Yeah, it's I, I love what Star Fox Adventures did to the character of Fox McCloud so much because it's they've kind of constructed this history around him where, you know, he's the galaxy's savior as of Star Fox 64. And he basically goes seven entire years with no pay. As yeah, they like slummed in the Great Fox, which is sl- slowly falling apart, eating nothing but pizza and junk like it's just sort of turned him it turned like what should be this like idealistic gung-ho save the day hero into a miserable cynic and yeah. star fox adventures is the process of building him back up into the character he used to be right yeah it it, it it's very much like okay you're a mercenary uh soldier of fortune for hire and you do your job, and the uh, the solar system is at and peace. You, you did it so well that you put yourself out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a common trope with rare characters, right? Is uh, we're gonna have a jump in time and see them kind of down, uh, down and out compared to how they were. Uh, they did the same thing with Banjo and Kazooie, nuts and bolts, to an extent. Uh, and both, both of, of them course, involving pizza like pizza is just the universal yeah. language of rock bottom <laughs> for rare <laughs> heroes <laughs> which is not like rare as anti-pizza like nobody's i don't think it's anti-pizza but yeah it, it's um it, it is funny how it's just like we're, we're just common trash now <laughs> but yeah uh Anyway, we're, we're kind of getting uh, away from the wrong. Much just... like Star Fox Adventures, we're getting away from Crystal too much. <laughs> but yeah, Kite was going to be Crystal Psychic. Uh, Princess Kite, you know, Prince Tricky of the Earthwalkers, Princess Kite of the Cloud Runners, And I, I guess the both tribes are still going to have their rivalry, like the two ruling tribes of Dinosaur Planet, but they don't get along. They're, I mean, Tricky in Star Fox Adventures is an out and out racist towards the cloud runners. He refuses to even step foot in, in their fortress. Uh, makes that aspect makes way more sense in this version where you would have had the bifurcation of protagonists, each with their own variety of sidekick. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but you, you, you kind of see now where the plot elements of Star Fox Adventures were first formed from the development of Dinosaur Planet. So you, you, you land on Scales Galleon, uh, Scales appears, basically it, it's, um, nearly the same scene except, you know, in Star Fox Adventures, Scales throws Crystal off the Galleon. And then she's rescued by that same cloud runner who flew her in. And then they fly to Krizoa Palace. Uh, here she, it scales that teleports away. And then Crystal takes over the galleon and lands it. A weird thing I noticed is I think that like maybe up until the 11th hour rare was going back and forth on what to do with this scene, because I've seen it play out three different ways. Um, in star Fox adventures proper, it's scales tosses crystal over the side of the galleon and she rides off on the cloud runner in this build. Um, scales is 
uh, like sort of giving his speech and is electrocuted by a bolt of lightning. Um, yeah. Which I wanted to touch on. I think like as much as people kind of sour on general scales by the end of Star Fox Adventures because he seems like a like an anticlimax in that spoilers you don't actually have a confrontation with them and he's not the there's a there's a villain uh using another villain using him as a pawn um this game i think seeds a little bit more doubt in scales of being the threat that he comes off as because you have this scene where he he's like menacing kite in the cage and a bolt of lightning comes down to fry him like a looney tunes character yeah um but uh yeah in this version of the scene in the build he fiddles with the cage gets electrocuted and then sort of pushes a button on his belt to teleport out which he he also does in Star Fox Adventures in another scene so this is something they carried over but the third way i've seen this scene play out is um a while back when like blurry vhs footage of dinosaur planet surfaced on the internet which was like the the first hour of gameplay of i think an even earlier build than this um in that version scales gets electrocuted fooling with the kite's cage and then falls off the side of the galleon which makes more sense to me because where is he teleporting to why is he just leaving his ship to like it could crash it also contextualizes why um when Crystal was talking to Randorn later on. She says, well, you don't have to worry about scales anymore. Well, you'd say that if he apparently fell to his death. You wouldn't say that if he literally just teleported away. I was wondering about that line. Yeah, I was like, what what do you mean? Like, like, the the whole plot is still revolving around (laughs) his little insurrection. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's... It, it's funny to me how the different this scene played out because here Crystal takes over the ship and sh- she like lands it at not Krizoa Palace. Uh, functionally, it's it's Krizoa Palace, but it's Warlock Mountain here. And um, then she's like, "You never find out how anybody drives this thing." I'm curious about that. Yeah, there's there wasn't a scene of her like at the at the helm or anything she was just like how do we fly this and then we just cut to a like a scene of it flying (laughs) (laughs) but um they they go to warlock mountain and then uh you just kind of disembark from the galleon onto uh what what's pretty much the same as krizoa palace but then crystal's like i can't open the cage i don't know how to open the cage kite uh, let me get the wizard. She keeps mentioning the wizard, who, of course, uh, is Randorn. Now, Randorn was one of those figures that I remember from this early mythology of Dinosaur Planet, because I would always remember the other staffers on DK Vine. We'd be talking about Randorn, and I think that was even Ben's avatar on the forum was Randorn yeah, the wizard. Yeah, it was, and I think Randorn was sort of like... I think to people who knew about the original Dinosaur Planet, he sort of became like the symbol of everything that was lost 
in the transition yeah. from Dinosaur Planet to Star Fox Adventures because he was clearly the most major character that was known about that didn't show up in Star Fox Adventures. And it makes sense why he was removed. Because uh, spoilers from a 20-year-old game that never got released in this form, Randorn was Saber's dad, right? Yeah, he's Saber's biological dad and Crystal's adoptive dad. Which really makes you wonder about uh, any potential romance between the two characters. Um, in the design documents hosted on uh, Rare Thief, it looks like they were implying uh, <laughs> potential romance between hey, the two. Step bro, what are you doing? Um, I yeah, it, it, I think... it's a bit better than the Luke and Leia situation because they're not related. By <laughs> right? There's no, there's no there's no like biological incest going on. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, Ran- Randor to me, like he serves as this, I guess, Gandalfian type figure in the lore. And when they made the change to Star Fox Adventures, I think they upped the importance of the Krizoans, and there just wasn't a need for this Randorn. To- Randorn just complicated things. Um, I ultimately. I think. I think when you remove the dynamic of him being Saber's father because Saber isn't there and he's only there as a wizard and Crystal's adoptive father and Crystal is getting signed, sidelined in the plot as is, there's just... He, he becomes superfluous a little bit and I can kind of see why they dropped him even though he's a cool design and a cool character and it's always a shame to lose that, but I get why. When you're introducing an entire solar system of anthropomorphic uh, animals, and it just makes sense to say, uh, yeah, crystals from uh, the planet Cernia, and none of these characters are actually from Dinosaur Planet that are coming down to a Dinosaur Planet. And so, yeah, then Randorn is just like, well, who the fuck is this? Get rid of them. I'm sure there's a reality where we're in Star Fox Assault, and Randorn is just bumming on the great fox (laughs) (laughs) they just have this wizard tag along now (laughs) hanging out with the robot yeah i okay so i just wanted to make sure because you know i i'm pretty illiterate when it comes to video game knowledge outside of the Donkey kong universe playing through warlock mountain i was hearing zelda effects right so i'm not that well versed in Zelda, but I would I would not doubt that there were sound effects in common because there are a lot of stock library sounds in Star Fox Adventures, and there are also a lot of stock library sounds in Dinosaur Planet. Because I think like before the modern era where Rare has their own Foley studio to make like all the various ship noises and such and see at thieves, they were heavily reliant on stock libraries, and you'd even hear overlap in their own games, like uh, the sound that Crystal of Crystal Staff's projectile function is the same as the Susie 9mm in Bad Fur Day, or mm-hmm. even in this build later, there's like a, a tree weed that makes the same sound as the bats from Bad Fur Day. Like, yeah. there's just a lot of overlap if you have an ear for it. Like, everything is sort of its own little mini Wilhelm scream. Well, and you know, this was before they really established their own like Foley studio in Manor Park. 
which yeah, I they they do all of their sound effects in house now, but uh, but yeah, back then they would have utilized sound libraries as a lot of developers on the N64 did, and I could see, especially in development, in a build of the game that people like us aren't supposed to see. Uh, having actual effects from the Zelda games in there as kind of a placeholder to be like, this is what we want to convey here, and we'll replace this later. This is just to let us know like what we kind of want there. Um, that makes complete sense to me. But yeah, it was just it was just striking to hear like blatant Zelda sounds in, in what became Star Fox Adventures, considering how often they're compared. Now. Randorn, uh, actually getting to meet Randorn uh, as a character for the first time. Uh, for one, he sounded a little like Scott uh, Sean Connery, um, with that little like a bit of a Scottish brogue. But he's not, definitely like, Sean Connery ish, but like not as like out and out like extreme Scottish that um, uh, Daniel Carrington is in Perfect Dark, but like the, of the same flavor. Yeah, and not not as extremely Scottish as the Warpstone would become in Star Fox Adventures. <laughs> it like where it sounds like Shrek basically. Um th- this is just like uh, under it, it reminded me of a toned down Sean Connery impression. It definitely like, what did. What Sean Connery actually sounds like and or as sounded a, like. I guess as a side note of what characters sound like in this game, we didn't touch on um the Sharp Claw enemies in this game speak English as opposed to just, well, I mean, they speak English very selectively in Star Fox Adventures too, but I, I kept thinking in my head every time one of them would speak that, that this sounds like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the Kremlings um, from Donkey Kong 64. just like what, what you would like hear them uh, from, from the opening, you know, left, right, left. Um, hey, you. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, very much rare. Rare certainly liked their uh, reptilian baddies who speak in long, stretched out uh, dialogue. But um, I can't blame them. It sounds fun to record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Randorn, um, he's like dying, but he's not really dying because he says so long as he stays in Warlock Mountain. Uh, it, it will preserve him. Um, and like, uh, at rare thief, uh, they've got all of these internal like, story documents for, for how like the story of dinosaur planet would have progressed from the year 2000, I think. And at one point in the game, like you have the choice, Randorn either lives or dies. And I think like, it it would have been this inflection point in the game where like Randorn could have died permanently, or you could have saved him. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it would have like altered too much. But apparently, that was like going to factor into later, like the fate of Randorn. It also explains um, why this very mighty wizard can't help you. Yeah, but then why even have a wizard in the first place? Why make him a wizard in the first place if you're like, okay, well let's introduce a wizard, but he can't, he can't help. I. The the more I see of this, the more I'm like, yeah, I'm Randorn was not needed at all in the plot. <laughs> Maybe this is me being judgy after living with Star Fox Adventures for over eighteen years. I don't know. It's really weird uh, to hear Kyle Russell say they didn't need a character here. 
I look. Oh, okay. I'm not going full retro studios here, and like, let's just have one animal buddy. But you know, it's. I I think what they did was fine. Uh, but then Randorn's like introduces the concept of spells in the game, and I'm like, okay, this is this is getting very different from Star Fox Adventures because Star Fox Adventures had like you know magic you could do with the staff, but spells as like this whole like menu option um yeah this this seems to kind of reframe the staff abilities from star fox adventures where instead of being inherent to the weapon they're inherent to the wielder yeah which again kind of contextualizes why there's a wizard here a little bit more yeah and you know, magic still played a part in Star Fox Adventures, but I think bringing in the more sci-fi oriented Star Fox characters, uh, it, it made magic more of an anomaly, like more of a like Fox, this stranger in a strange land type situation. Um, yeah. And you wouldn't really want him to be pulling out spells and like dabbling in the arcane ways of Randorn, the wizard. Yeah, so it's, it, it, they, they kind of reconcile it, I think, in the best way they could where... It's not Fox doing the magic. He the staff is magic and Fox is wielding it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then Randorn we we get um very minor cutscenes of, of Randorn explaining the history of Dinosaur Planet. And I have to say like this is my ignorance of how much of the lore of Dinosaur Planet was out. Like, I, I obviously didn't read up on a whole lot of it, but somewhere along the way in in the last several years, I had forgotten that the Krizoa even played a part in the N64 Dinosaur Planet. So I was surprised to see the Krizoa show up in this build of the game. I, I always, like, thought of them as, like, a distinct replacement for Randorn and his mythology... But, um, yeah, the Krizoa here, what what was surprising to me was they feel more ancient than what was presented in Star Fox Adventures. Because they mentioned that they predate the current universe itself. Um, like, the Krizoa existed in the universe before our own universe. And then their world ended and... Um, according to Randorn, Dinosaur Planet was then created by the great Chimerian Dragon, um, which, which is this whole mythology. And you actually, we, we talked about this before we recorded, and I was like, not putting the pieces together with what was already established by, again, uh, the documents on Rare Thief. And then I went back and I cross-referenced them, and I was like, oh, okay, so... Randorn mentions that, like, this history of the Krizoa and then this entity called the Chimerian Dragon created Dinosaur Planet. And the King Earthwalker began to suspect that this history was wrong, that there was some sort of missing piece. And so I went off on this notion that, you know, I, judging from how Star Fox Adventures goes, um, you know, the, the big antagonist that's like hiding in plain sight but doesn't reveal himself to the end is of course the ghost of andros who reincarnates in the flesh using the power of the krizoa like his whole long con 
in Star Fox Adventures is I am a disembodied ghost and I want to re-enter the physical world. How do I do it? I'm going to exploit the magic and the political divisions of this planet and basically pull a fast one on everyone and, and bring myself back. And, and so, like, Star Fox Adventures is basically the rise of Skywalker. It's Palpatine's plot in the rise of Skywalker, just with Andros. Um, and so I was thinking, I, I was going off on all these tangents playing the ROM, where I was like, I wonder if the the actual antagonist of Dinosaur Planet is a Krizoa, or it's the Krizoans who want to reclaim the universe. And so they're, they're like, please remember at the end of Star Fox Adventures, um, when Andros returns, he he takes on this persona, persona as the mighty Krizoan god, and he kind of laughs as like it's all one big joke. And I was like, I wonder if a Krizoan god was the main antagonist of Dinosaur Planet. But it's not. Uh, uh, not according to the notes. And uh, so thank you for pointing me to Rare Thief. Check out Rare Thief. Uh, Friends of DK Vine, by the way. Uh, but the, uh, it's it's actually the, the main antagonist seemed to be the a, a character who does appear in Star Fox Adventures, Dracor. Dracor? How do you, I, I don't know. I, I kind of go with Dracor. Which I gotta uh, say is a name that would work in Saurian. It's just abstract enough. But it, uh, in Star Fox Adventure, Adventures, Dracor appears as this genetic experiment that that's created uh, in the Sharp Claw Laboratories. Yeah, and he, it's one he's kind of presented as like a monstrous bioweapon. You don't even really know if he can talk because he doesn't say anything. Mm. Um, yeah. These dev notes present him as like an intelligent figure. And not only that, but spoilers for a game that didn't come out to kind of the man behind the man for general scales. Yeah, general scales was always a patsy. General scales was always being manipulated by a greater force in star Fox adventures. It was Andros and dinosaur planet. It was Dracor. And I'd forgotten all of this. Cause again, I don't retain knowledge of dinosaur planet. Maybe I will now that I've actually played it, but, um, or played the ROM. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it turns out Dracor is a descendant of the great Chimerian dragon that created Dinosaur Planet. So it kind of sounds like the like the Krizoas and the Chimerians that Dracor descended from were like sort of warring factions and alluding to um, like in what the the King Arthwalker's comments alluded to, like the history of both is not what it seems. Yeah, and so like from from what I understand, the the Krizoans are still an ally um, in Dinosaur Planet. Um, there, there's just always been this kind of like weird, like unspoken malevolence to the Krizoans. I think that's that exactly always- what the nature of the like storyline notes that are on Rare Thief without going too much into it for people who want to read it up on it themselves, it's they're most mostly benevolent in the context of dinosaur planet, but have a like dark secret to them. 
Yeah, and, and I was attributed that malevolence in Star Fox Adventures, that that unspoken malevolence to Andros, because and you, you're Andros is sort of playing everyone, and he's using the power of the Krazoans to return to life, and and we then like get it affirmed that no, the Krazoans are actually um, altruistic; they're the ones who are restoring Dinosaur Planet. And fighting to re- restore dinosaur planet andros is just this corrupting influence that's affecting everything um but i i think some of that unspoken like fear you have the krizoas krizoas are like a, a leftover byproduct of this plot where it's it's dracor and it's this whole unspoken history this war between them and the um Chimerian dragons and just just a whole lot of like again very Tolkien-esque like layers upon layers of backstory that it's hard for me to grasp until I can actually experience it myself. So I, I got to say, in even what little glimpse we get of the Krizoas in this build, it makes them feel like a more concrete concept to me than what we get of them in Adventures, where there's still this very abstract ancient thing that you never quite have a full grasp of as to what their morality is or how much agency they have insofar as like yeah. Andros's machinations until the end when they do restore the planet. But I was just sort of stunned by just that very minor moment of, uh, the flashback that Randor narrates that has Krizoas walking around. Walking around in the flesh, yeah, yeah. Because you see, like, that personification of Krizoans in the spirit that might be Andros messing with you. Um, it's a little ambiguous, but um, yeah, otherwise they appear as the disembodied, like, spirit energies. Um, so yeah, to see them like walking around in the flesh in their prime was like, whoa, like that, that is like almost biblical for me. Like that, that is like going back to uh, like the actual creation myths in the DKU. Uh, it was really cool to see. But like I said, the, the Krizoas are presented much more ancient here. I think in Star Fox Adventures, they're just this civilization that ruled the planet that became dinosaur planet and then died out. Like it, it so much of their history is lost in star Fox adventures. Uh, and you're just left to kind of infer, but I think like even the Saurian language was the Krizoan language, uh, which explains also the connection between, them and crystals planet cernia which seems to have some sort of connection to dinosaur planet which is why andros was messing with that first uh a lot of stuff you have to read between the lines with star fox adventures if you're a total freak like me that's fine i'm the one who loves the ending to lost after all (laughs) but uh i i can see why not having it spelled out for you spell stoned out for you even might make this the more preferable take. I don't know. Um, anything else we want to say about Warlock Mountain before we, we move on? Um, I guess I would just say um, that this game kind of 
gradually diverges from what you expect as it goes on from Star Fox Adventures. Um, because I'd say the Galleon intro is the basic beats of it are the are very similar, even though the scene doesn't play out the same way. Warlock Mountain is at least a like kind of sideways version of what you see in the beginning with um, Krizoa Palace and Star Fox Adventures. What we're going to see next is kind of something completely different. Yeah, this freaked me out. I, I have to admit, I wasn't expecting this. And I didn't like it much <laughs> because this is okay. So, um, for me, this is like one of those time travel movies, right? Where you, you return to the present day and find everything is different, and people you thought you knew are have completely changed. This, this is Marty McFly going back to 1985A. And 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 meeting this warped version of Hill Valley that oh god um so you know at this point in the story of Star Fox Adventures Crystal sees Andros's ghost we don't know it's Andros's ghost but she's like you and and Andros blasts her and encases her in the the crystal conduit right that that will channel all the Krizoan energy um. But Crystal isn't, like, put in stasis in this version. She is still supposed to be um, a, a proactive protagonist who's going to keep coming back into the plot. So she just kind of leaves Warlock Mountain. She, 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 she teleports out of it. Well, first what happens well, is Scales comes back to the park. Oh, Galleon. Scales comes back. Yeah. And takes yeah. off with um, Kite still in the cage. So it becomes a quest to get off Warlock Mountain and rescue Kite. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, Scales... Yeah, I wasn't expecting Scales to which, come back. Which, uh, in this next scene, will kind of make things very awkward. Yeah, so... Uh, I said Crystal doesn't get put into stasis. She kind of does, uh, actually. But not through means you would suspect. So she warps from Warlock Mountain to, well, basically what we know today as the Warp Stone. Now, the Warp Stone, or at of least course, a, is... a, a, like, offshoot, kind of? Or, like, like, the Warp Stone was kind of merged into a composite of these two characters, and this is the first one that she meets. Right, right. Um, predecessor to the concept of the Warp Stone. Now, the Warp Stone is just this big, goofy, Scottish-sounding golem uh, who, you know, is presides in Thorntail Hollow, and he can warp you to Krizoa Palace or Ice Mountain. And he's got he's got this this maze underneath him um, as a concept i guess this makes more sense in dinosaur planet where he's not the warp stone he's a swap stone and his name is rubble rubble the swap stone but cameron i hate him i hate his teeth and i hate that he's not a big scottish weirdo uh i i i I, I so much prefer the Warp Stone over, over Rubble. 
the swap zone. It's, it was it was just weird. It was just unfamiliar and off putting. It was going. It was taking something I love and taking it into the uncanny valley. Yeah, I think um, when they composited um, the two swap stone characters, uh, Rubble and Rocky, together to make one warp stone, I think that they also composited their personalities in a way that works better for me. Uh-huh. Because you kind of have this contrast between Rubble and Rocky, where Rubble is the nice, jovial, um, smiley one, and Rocky is the one who hates everything and everyone and doesn't want to do anything. And they kind of merge those two personalities into a helpful but also like weirdly confrontational <laughs> um just scottish weirdo yeah i i, I didn't realize <laughs> i said weirdo twice there but it's oh no weirdo is one of our favorite words and, and he's still a weirdo rubble is still a weirdo though because crystal's like i've got to get to discovery falls and then Rub- Rubble says, nah, 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 you got plenty of time for that. Let me show you how the swap works. And then he closes his fist and traps Crystal inside. And then this is the part where I really lost my shit because then Rubble stops. He turns to face you, the player, and then addresses you shattering the fourth wall i because i was playing you know i was playing this on my computer with an xbox controller uh which uh, steve from off of rare gamer informed me that i could do and i was like oh this is this is great i'll play with my xbox controller but i almost dropped my controller because i was like (laughs) oh my god the swap stone is talking to me it's it's like in a horror movie where the girl crawls through the tv to come claim your soul um, or I don't know. It was like, uh, it was like the character was taking a break and it was like there to like, it's like, okay, well, we've had some fun here tonight, but let me tell you about the dangers of doing drugs, kids. It was just like, why it's, are you talking it, to me? It's a very weird moment because it's not like Conquer where since the beginning you've been conditioned like, oh, Conquer will sometimes talk to me. It's that sort of story. Um, this is a game that's had like a fairly straightforward, um, narrative direction and point of view so far. And then there's this weird break where suddenly a character is addressing you and looking directly at you. Um, and I got to say in general, uh, this is, this is a weird bit of like, presentation for this conceit i think they were i think they were trying to build in a narrative reason for you to be swatch switching back and forth between characters instead of just like hitting the pause menu and flipping over to the saber tab and continuing from saber but it leads to weird situations like this and Granted that this may have been ironed out because this is a work in progress of a game, but it leads into weird moments like this where Crystal is saying this is a high pressure situation. Kite's been kidnapped. I need to go find Kite before General Scales tortures her or whatever. And Rebel's confident that 
no, don't worry about it. This is a video game. She's going to be fine. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, nah, enough of that. Enough of that plot. Let's see what's happening over here. And then just, uh, just like, Crystal has no say in it. And uh, yeah, it, it is weird. And you're right. It would probably be ironed out. But it, it really made me think like, wow, you know, like, Star Fox Adventures really did shore up some of this plot. And I'm sure Dinosaur Planet, had it survived in this iteration, would have done the same. But it's just weird to see from this, like, work-in-progress standpoint of, like, oh, wow, like, this completely destroys the narrative flow here. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes cutting in the service of streamlining is not a bad thing. No, no, uh, everybody needs an editor at some point in their life. Um, But that does jump us over to Saber slash Fox. And I say Saber slash Fox because so much of this character is still Saber, even if the character model is supposed to be Fox McCloud. Like you said, this is probably just them. um, This is probably just them feeling things out and seeing how much of fox mcleod they can integrate into it and i i do think it's a very work in progress model of fox um it looks great but it's in a very different style from the rest of the game the rest of the characters around him and he's much less animated than crystal is because his eyes aren't implemented to kind of dart around and blink like hers are I do have to say, I, I really like this model. It's really grown on me. You know, the Star Fox Adventures Fox is my favorite um, look for Fox. Like, the the vest and, and just everything about it. It's like, yeah, I'm Fox McCloud, but I'm going on this on-ground adventure through, you know, hostile terrain. I'm very shocked. Like, there are minor bits of this design that are different from the one we ended up with. Um, beyond the fact that it's an N64 model, but I am, I'm shocked how much was already cemented with this design this early. Like, yeah. all the basic aspects of it are there. The sleeveless vest, the, like, metal gauntlets, the poofy pants with the yellow stripe going down them, the big, uh, big giant metal boots. Like, it's all there. Yeah, I... There, there's, uh, there seems to be more blue in it than green, um, and I, you know, obviously green is more associated with Fox McCloud. Um, I think but... basically all the blue in this design became green, even Fox's eyes, which is a change I ultimately like because I think, like, there were an overwhelming number of Nintendo protagonists with blue eyes, and green is something different. Yeah, it, it's. It's cool, though, to see this as an N64 model, and I really, really like it. it it's weird for me to see Fox McCloud on the N64 and not have it be the Star Fox 64 Fox McCloud. Right. It's it's cool to see that they're already trying. It's cool to see that they're already trying for the more realistic bent on, on Fox McCloud this early when they're still beholden to the same geometry limitations Star Fox 64 was. Yeah, because even the you know the Super Smash Brothers Fox McCloud, his other appearance on the N sixty four is still the Star Fox sixty four uh, Fox. So this this is like something completely different, um, and you know, obviously when it went to the GameCube, you had all of the the textured the fur, and it just it, it looks gorgeous. But 
I have to I have to admit I really like the um seeing one more N64 era rare protagonist uh portrayed like this. Yeah. Like we never I it, it would be like seeing a new N64 model of Dixie Kong in 2021. It'd be like, "Whoa!" I never thought I would see it. And it must be said, like, we already talked about how Star Fox Adventures is still one of the prettiest looking games on the GameCube. This would have been one of the prettiest games on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Just the fact that they had so much. Like, I was shocked at the amount of voice acting in this. Because, you know, something like Conquer, you're you're conditioned. Like, yeah, it's, like, fully voice acted. But hear so much of it in this game and you know granted i would have used the expansion pack it you know w- would have like brought in all this horsepower but this is like really really um punching above its weight class as far as an n64 game i was so fix- fixated on the visual difference between this and star fox adventures that i I I just like took for granted how impressive the audio also is because you have the full voice acting and not only that, but in addition to um, quote unquote new music that we don't hear in Star Fox Adventures, there's a lot of sort of the same songs, but they sound very, very similar and it does not feel wrong for either game. It's impressive for both of them. The quality is really stunning. Yeah, it was during this next bit on uh, Ice Mountain that I was really starting to notice the um, the quality of the David Y soundtrack and how good it sounds here despite being on the N64. And I, I think that really drove home to me, too. Uh, David Wise's almost complete absence on the Nintendo 64 and how that entire era of both Rare and the Donkey Kong universe were... It was it was mostly defined by Grant Kirkhope's work. So to hear like David Wise's um, compositions in this N sixty four environment, it was it was just kind of a trip. It was um, this, this is still one of the only full three D games, like in in terms of like three D movement that he's composed for. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now on Ice Mountain, uh, we we start in media res on Ice Mountain, uh, like the the bit that we would have started off with with Fox McCloud when he takes the warp stone uh, there to rescue Prince Tricky after he's already visited Thorntail Hollow, uh, you know. But um, here, this this does play out extremely similar to Star Fox Adventures. And we already knew this from the leaked footage from years ago, but... The script uh, is almost th- unchanged except for... To how it is in Star Fox Adventures, except for one very glaring line. Yeah, and this is what's different from that leaked footage, too. Um, now, first of all, I should point out that Fox still uses the sword, a la Saber, um, because at this point, Crystal's staff still belonged to Crystal, and Crystal was going to come back into the story once... Uh, rubble let her go uh but um they both you know they both have there's a vision of this game. game where fox just has to rescue crystal from rubble who she's trapped in the hand of the entire game <laughs> just give him a, a snack like the warp stone uh, <laughs> but the the sword he has is magical though so it still has all the same functionality as the staff i'm assuming 
Um, it can shoot projectiles, so it's not like um, there's a big difference here. But the line of dialogue you're referring to is, I am Fox McLeod. M- McLeod, by the way, not McLeod. Uh, I am Fox McLeod. M-C-L-O-U-D. Play it McLeod, Cameron. It's his DJ name, Fox McLeod. <laughs> Uh, I am Fox McLeod, Royal Knight of the Lilat System. What? So that this line took me back. Anything, but pro- probably from a very different reason, it took you back. Um, like, how did you feel about this line? I was like, "That's not anything. <laughs> that has nothing to do with Star Fox lore." Fox McCloud is a freelance mercenary who's hired by General Pepper to do to do shit that uh, his his actual government funded forces can't do. Um, f- like uh, it, it, it's what, wrong on several knight? layers, was right? Because Corneria is not a monarchy that we know of, and even if it was, Fox is a free agent. Yeah, so, like, in this version, was he, like, knighted by the the queen of Corneria? So, so here's how I interpreted this scene, or at least how I knew about this line of dialogue before I saw it in this ROM, but in a context where I did not expect to see it in this ROM, which was um, quite a while back, um, somebody had... Um, ripped some internal text that's in uh, the final Star Fox Adventures. And much of it is sort of a work-in-progress dinosaur planet script left over. And my read of it was, in just thumbing thumbing through a digital document on a computer screen, uh, that it, it came off as though they sort of did a quick pass finding using find and replace to sub out saber with fox and i assume planet animus with lilat system so the original oh. line i think would have been i'm saber royal knight of planet animus and i mean that's how i assumed it would go but i just assumed that's clearly a placeholder script no way would that have stuck around when they got to re-recording the dialogue. And lo and behold, here's Steve Malpass saying, I am Fox McCloud, Royal Knight of the Lilat System. Loud and clear. Leaving behind one dwigged. Um, I think that Nintendo probably... Even if Rare had intended to keep that, Nintendo probably would have shut it down. Like, wh- What? That, I can't imagine not, that, they had any intent to keeping this. Um, yeah, but S- Steve Malpass recorded it, like you said. That's the bizarre part. Like, And speaking of that, um, I guess we should touch on... And this was something I think we kind of gleaned from footage of Dinosaur Planet that was already out there. But it's kind of staggering how much audio is f- from Saber is retained for Fox because... Steve Malpass gives a very similar read for both characters. Yeah. And that was shocking to me because I always thought um, 
around the time of Star Fox Adventures, like Steve Malpass is, I think, my favorite voice for Fox McCloud. It's a Absolutely. very appropriate take on the character. It fits him really well, especially with the uh, miserable cynic he is in Adventures. Um, I think, like, I also really like the original Star Fox 64 actor, um, Mike West, but Steve Malpass gives a take that sounds a lot like him, in addition to bringing the the sensibility that Adventures needed. And it was always very surprising to me to find out, oh, Sa- Saber just always sounded like that, and it was all just a coincidence. Steve wasn't really trying at that time to sound like Mike West. Just like Tricky in Star Fox Assault somehow sounds like a, the middle ground between both Trickies from Adventures and Diddy Kong Racing. Like, who knows how any of this stuff winds up perfectly in sync with each other but it it does it, it just it's always been kismet that these two properties were going to be linked so even the characterizations of the two are like kind of similar and different at the same time in that and i think it makes the readings work for both characters um fox as i d- said in adventures is he's a bit older he's you know mid-20s but uh Jaded, cynical, irritable. Saber, from what I can glean in uh, what we can tell of him from, like, story background and and just what he's doing in this game, he's, he's younger, he's just a bit more, like, a reluctant hero, but, like, somebody whose heart's in the right place. And, like they kind of meld the two together mm-hmm. and reconcile that for the jaded older Fox. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works really well. You know, I just looking at our live stream chat really quick and Gibbon uh, is in there and brought up the point that, I mean, I, I just said how it's funny how these two projects, dinosaur planet and the star Fox franchise always seem to be linked even before uh, that link was made explicit behind the scenes at e3 2000 and he brought up that in the original super nintendo star fox game in the instruction manual the planet fortuna uh, fortuna uh it's described as this fortuna is also known as the dinosaur planet and is proud by untamed and brutal creatures uh, Andros is fed and gained control of these brutes and plans to turn them into living weapons. Uh, so there was a dinosaur planet in Star Fox before Rare developed the game Dinosaur Planet, which became Star Fox Adventures. And e- even the scene, and- even the seeds of turning dinosaurs into bioweapons somehow. Yeah, and it's it's really <laughs> funny then that nobody at Rare or Nintendo made the connection to just make Dinosaur Planet Fortuna. Um, and in fact, that's now, I guess, decanonized because Fortuna is not Soria, obviously. It exists as a separate planet in Star Fox canon and is now not Dinosaur Planet. But it's just weird to me. Like, that's just one of those weird, like, chilling moments like even dinosaur planet it's even capitalized as a proper noun in the instruction manual 
And it's just like one of those moments like, all right, like what what time travel shenanigans is this? Like what wizard, what Randorn did this? It reminds me of like on the DK Vine forum when someone years before Nuts and Bolts said that the next Banjo-Kazooie game was going to be called Nuts and Bolts. And, and it's just like, what? How? How did that happen? How did that prediction happen? Yeah, that's absurd. Um, and Gibbon also points out in the chat, uh, Fortuna and Soria are both in Star Fox Assault. And I would also add to that, I think maybe one of the reasons they didn't just call Dinosaur Planet Fortuna, um, A, basically to give them as much freedom as possible going forward and backward, like... Basically, full creative agency into what Dinosaur Planet is. They wouldn't be bound by it's in the same place that Fortuna is in the Lyot system. It's not bound by the same history. Dinosaur Planet can be this weird mystical world off in its own corner on the fringe of the Lyot system that can come and go as it pleases. Um, but also, I think it's possible nobody at Rare had Fortuna in mind because... Uh, the planet Ficina in Star Fox 64, which is a snow-covered, barren world with a military base on it that may or may not get exploded in Star Fox 64, depending on how well you do, um, that was mislocalized as Fortuna in English-speaking territories. Yeah. So, from if Rare was playing... If that was the version of the game in Rare's memory, they may not, may not have been thinking of Fortuna as the dinosaur planet. They might have been thinking of it as the ice planet. Either way, like what? What the hell? That that it's just still one of the great mysteries to me. Like when again I said kismet. Like it just sometimes the stars align and things are always supposed to be how they're supposed to be. And I, I, Star Fox Adventures, this game was always just screaming to be a Star Fox game. So <laughs> eventually they all just stopped fighting it and just went with the universe. So, uh, yeah, you, you rescue, or Fox, Royal Knight of the Lilat System, rescues Tricky. Uh, well, Tricky runs away from him. Uh, just like, I mean, it's basically a shot-for-shot recreation in Star Fox Adventures of this cutscene. You could put these like, side-by-side, and I think they'd, it'd be the same down to the timing. Yeah, I remember watching the footage when this was actually Saber and not Fox in the N64 build, and it was just like, yeah, this is exactly one of the most iconic moments from Star Fox Adventures, and it was always this way. And then um, Fox hops on the, the speeder bike, and you have the, the chase down the mountain, and then he falls off and falls into the hot spring, and then Tricky greets him at the base in Snow, Snowhorn Waste. And yeah, just, with, like, with the only big on difference hot... being that he doesn't have to translate. And he still says the exact yeah. same line. I like it, it's still about you're lucky you landed in a hot spring or you'd be frozen. Yep, yep. But yeah, so like one of the things I noticed playing through Snowhorn Snow Waste was that 
a lot of the items like grub tub mushrooms weren't named yet. It was just they had very bland descriptive names like blue mushrooms. And I'm sure all of those like would have been changed eventually. Like that wasn't like again, this is an early ROM of a not complete game. So a lot of the things were placeholders even um disregarding the Star Fox conversion. There's a really weird instance of that when you get to uh, Swapstone Hollow, which is the the bomb spores are called per, uh, purple mushrooms, even though they're <laughs> they're not mushrooms in the context yeah. that you get them. Yeah, that that is weird. Uh, scarabs are still scarabs, which I realize only now that. Uh, Scarabs is just a descriptive name like blue mushrooms. I I don't know like why they weren't given a, a more saurian descriptive name like skiddly walkers or something uh, by the time of the finished game because everything else was. But uh, yeah, scarabs, scarabs. We even have like a a name coming up that like did a two layered like nonsense name. Oh yeah. Yeah, the the dusters, dusters. Which yeah, later becomes something even more ridiculous in Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, so well, let's let's explain it then. Dusters are these blue bunny creatures that serve the role that another furry um, creature does in Star Fox Adventures, in that it revives you if you die. It 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 basically resuscitates you. And they're called dusters in this build, and then they become. I, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it anymore. Bofomdads. Bofomdads. Huh? It sounds. They like never say Gungan. it out loud in Star Fox Adventures, so I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like a Gungan term from the Phantom Menace, like something that Jar Jar would it, say. It like, seems like a word that's already been translated into Saurian, but it, it doesn't translate back into anything. And it's weird, too, because it doesn't follow what became the dinosaur planet, like, um, standard of, like, uh, naming standards, where you have, like, a compound word uh, conjoined into one, but with the capitalization still intact for the second word. Um, You know, you see that with all the dinosaur tribes, Earthwalker, Thorntail, Sharp Claw, um, and then things like Grub Tubs. Uh, but Baffum Dads are just ba- Baffum Dads. <laughs> it's just, but they remind me. Uh, they remind me of the the um, Globos from Banjo Tooie, um, a little bit. And we also um, just kind of get context on how they are involved in the process of reviving Fox, which is they like the dusters in this kind of like split into a bunch of small dusters and then like all absorb themselves into Fox, which I think raises more questions than it answers. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the duster design, they're almost too cartoony for what Star Fox adventures began. And that was something I noticed about the aesthetic. It's still a bit more realistic than something like, I mean, obviously anthropomorphic animals, there's only so much realism going on, but it's more realistic than something like, 
uh, Conqueror Banjo or whatever the Timber game would have looked like. Like, it, it, it ups the realism factor just a bit, but then Star Fox Adventures ups that even further from what we got here. Things are a bit more cartoony here from the design of the uh, Snowhorns to the Dusters, which look like they, they look like side characters in Donkey Kong 64. Um, I, I can see why they just totally rethought those for for adventures. the snowhorns are very cartoony in this build, but like charmingly so, and they all have like very fun befuddled sounding voices. Yeah, I mean, like, and it, a lot of this isn't different. Like they they just changed all like, all the designs for all the um, dinosaur tribes, but. Um, and I don't know how much of that is rethinking it because it's now a Star Fox property or rethinking it because it's on the GameCube and we've got to up our graphical game. Um, ultimately, I think I prefer all the designs from Adventures to what we get here with maybe the possible exception of the Earthwalkers. I I just remember looking at the screenshots of Tricky back in the day and and really liking this appearance for Tricky, probably I I would still choose the Star Fox Adventures Tricky, but I have an affinity for the the more stripped down version seen here. Yeah, I think overall, like Crystal is the only design evolution I'm a little bit iffy on. Everybody else, I think, like pretty much across the board, I prefer how they look in Adventures Tricky, especially. Like I really think the splash of purple they added to him and the spikes on his head really made him look a lot more distinct and like vibrant than the original. Also, you dig up his ball here in snow, Snowhorn waist. It was just like, Oh, this ball is just here. Okay. Uh, yeah. There, there's like very, there's like very minor changes to tricky that don't, but he's largely intact the, to what he is in the final adventures they make very small changes like um if you accidentally whack him with your, with your sword instead of bleeding and asking you to stop or lighting you on fire once he knows how he he growls like an angry dog the the dog aspects of tricky were a lot more pronounced here um that's something that really surprised me he he seems more like um a puppy in so many ways and yeah right down to the sound effects oh and even even like the sound bite of when fox whistles for him he says here boy in this version like an actual dog yeah which which is weird because that makes doesn't make a lot of sense in in the context of this world like in the final game you play ball with him but he's still a kid who likes to play with the ball like i can see it um but it makes l less sense here that Fox would would consider Tricky to be of a dog-like stature when he's royalty. <laughs> There's like a weird it's like the goofy Pluto paradox but like rolled up into one character where he, where he's both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um anyway, and then you you leave um Snowhorn Waste, and, and you're back to the Hollow like you would be in Star Fox Adventures, but it's not Thorntail Hollow, it's Swapstone Hollow. I I gotta say, I noticed one very distinct thing in this transition to, from, from uh, Snowhorn Wastes to Swapstone Hollow. I'm wondering if you picked up on it too. 
What's you happen that? to notice um, getting from one area to the other that all you had to do was crawl through a hole and there was a distinct lack of a puzzle with running water and a lever to adjust the current back and forth and having Tricky stay on a switch. Yeah, yeah, it, it was more abrupt. It was just like, okay, we're here. So um, I, I have a theory and I'm pretty confident this is exactly what it is, is that crawl, crawling through a hole in that tunnel in the N64 version is is to prepare the next loading zone. Uh-huh. And in on the GameCube version where the entire game they have a lot more horsepower with the console but everything is running on mini discs. I think it needed additional prep time to load the upcoming area so you have these transitionary zones all throughout Star Fox Adventures and you'll know where they are because if you pause in them, all you can do is save and load or quit the game. You can't talk to any of Fox's companions. And I think they yeah. were because both um, Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures have the ambitious goal of a totally seamless overworld. Those are a concession to buy time for the game to load. And this is something games even do to this day. Um, like I've seen people complaining that uh the remake of Final Fantasy VII does this by, like, having a an area between loading zones where Cloud will have to, like, um, position himself up against a wall and, like, slowly sidle along past, past some debris or some pipe to give the next zone time to load. But, uh... Yeah. I thought that was an interesting consequence of the hardware move because it's maybe the only detrimental part of it if that's if i if my theory is right and that's indeed what it is although you know i don't mind so much in star fox because to me it's it's padding to help design the game load sure but it also makes soria feel bigger it it make it makes it feel more like a planet you're traversing rather than just boom new area boom new area i like that there's this middle ground and that there's some division between the realms I was going to say it makes me wonder how dinosaurs get anywhere on this planet, but maybe they don't because there's a clear division of which species live where. Yeah, and and there's there's also the distrust between the species because there isn't a whole lot of mingling between the tribes. But yeah, yeah, uh, Swapstone Hollow, I'm loath to bring this up for fear it will turn into a 12-hour podcast, but... The, the the general term of Swapstone, it coming off of our whole extended Banjo Tooie series that morphed into a stop and swap discussion at the end of last season, really made me wonder. Hey, Swapstones, Swapstone Hollow. If stop and swap was ever going to factor into Dinosaur Planet, this is where they would do it, <laughs> and that's. I'm not saying that was the plan. Obviously, swapping here infers something completely different, something fundamental to the game's mechanics, but I couldn't not bring that up because I, I could definitely see Rubble holding out uh, one, of the, one of the eggs in his hand or, or, or an ice key or something and or be like, step here and... and Yank this cartridge out and put There'll it in There will be Donkey plenty L64. of time to rescue Kite later. 
Let's pop in Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> Let's see what's happening with Juno and Vela over in Jet Force. Uh, I, I don't know. Obviously, Jet Force wasn't going to be part of it, but... Um, yeah, I didn't even bring up that right after we did our Stop and Swap episode, uh, Paul Makachek d- was inspired then to dish even more dirt about Stop and Swap. So we're going to have to do an update at some point on that. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Paul. Uh, so anyway, um, before we uh, take the calls we've got, we need to talk about another character Similar to the Warpstone, who's also near and dear to DK Viner's hearts. That's Shabunga. Shabunga the shopkeeper. Uh, the shopkeeper, as he's known apparently to everyone at Rare, Shabunga only comes from the official Nintendo Power Player's Guide of Star Fox Adventures. I don't know where they pulled Shabunga from, but that's where we get the name Shabunga. And I'm sorry, Cameron, but I can't quit the name Shabunga. Yeah, I, I can't either. It's too fun of a name. Yeah. And so Shabunga it, might not be... It, it might be like another Tricky is the same Tricky from Diddy Kong Racing. It might not be this intrinsic part of the lore among the actual development team. But to the fan base, yeah, you better believe his name is Shabunga. So, yeah, I encountered Shabunga in this. Um He's not, his store isn't where it used to be. It's actually located underneath um, either st- either Swapstone, um, where the game Well Maze is in the final game. Uh-huh. And the most striking thing about Shabunga is that so very little about him is different at all. I think once you hit upon perfection, you know not to mess with it. <laughs> I I think that's basically it. Um, there's there's nothing to change because I kind of wondered. Shabunga is a very in a game that's like for, full of unprecedented mysticism for the Star Fox universe and introduces all these new concepts to that world building. Shabunga is an anomaly within an ano- within an anomaly. We don't really find out what his deal is, what he is, why is he a like legless ancient T-Rex genie like it always <laughs> it always seemed like maybe there was going to be some deeper context to him in the original dinosaur planet that got lost and no if anything I think there might be even less context in the original dinosaur planet for what he is <laughs> um yeah i i i I've always like rationalized it that he's a sharp claw. Now, why he's legless? Why he's uh, some sort of genie man? I don't know. But um, I mean, yeah, Diddy Kong Racing—they the team likes their genies. Apparently, the team does like their genies. And you know, hey, if maybe Shabunga is an artifact from the Timber game, and and Shabunga was like this. We, we would learn more about the genie culture. I, I don't even know. But um, that's that's why like I'm really hoping the next stage of all of these leaks is seeing more about the Timber time travel. I want to see design docs for that. I, I want to see what the plans were. 
um, because I think that is really the like the biggest part of this story still left untold is before Saber, before Crystal, when it was Timber and Tricky. Um, that that is that that is what we still have left to uncover. Um, and obviously, like there's more of the ROM to play, uh, but this is where it really starts glitching out for people. Um, yeah, we kind of have reach... gotten further. Like the the furthest you get as far as like intended progression that you don't sort of have to cheat your way through, I believe, is the quest to give Tricky's mom white grub tubs. And yeah, we do get like a little bit of more context to how the plot differs in Dinosaur Planet because she kind of gives a spiel about the spell stones um, in this version, it seems like they kind of keep the planet's energy in check as opposed to literally keeping the planet together. Um, which I, because, because of, uh, I guess brings me to a fun, like, meta um, coincidence that Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures have in common, which is... Um, where the where people have trouble with the ROM, it seems to me like a lot of the areas in the game are present in the data, like they're fully modeled geometry that you can walk in, walk around in, and navigate with like some interactable um, objects in them. But the connective tissue, the like quest objects, and loading zones that would unite them are what's broken and what's keeping you out of accessing them. So uh-huh. even though in Dinosaur Planet, where all of these areas like Dark Ice Mines and uh, Cloud Runner Fortress like, apparently are on the same planet, they aren't like floating off into space, the greatest obstacle in your way is that they're still inaccessible in both versions of the game. <laughs> right. And it makes complete sense It's just sense a dinosaur why... planet is coming apart in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> it makes complete sense why they would actually make it literally coming apart in uh, when they decided we we're going to add our wing missions because you need a reason, a conceit for Fox to hop into a spaceship and and fly around in space rather than just stay on the planet. So to have the planet breaking apart, I think, is a uh, rather ingenious uh, little addition to the plot. Um, they they did a really good job of adapting what they already had and making it work for a Star Fox yeah. game. For everything that's sort of an awkward fit, like the fact that um, Slippy and Peppy are just sort of confined to menus and Falco is away and Fox can't shoot things with a gun. Um, the greater achievement is what they did manage to make sense. And yeah. you kind of see how much weight they had to, they did pull when you compare and contrast this version of the game. Yeah, and I, I think I have a greater appreciation for that now, and I hope other people do too, seeing what was originally there. Um, we have some calls to take, two. Um, we're going to play them, and then we're going to just wrap this up, give our final thoughts for now on Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures. But like I said, I, I'm energized like, uh, like a mystical staff. I am energized that 
people are excited about this property again and that they're talking about it. And it, it's really fun to kind of dust it off and or duster it off and and bring it back into kind of what we talk about here on DK Vine. It's been far too long. So, um, all right, let's hear what you have to say. You at home, you, well, two people. What up, DK Vine? It's John Tess, a.k.a. the J Tess Express, here to talk about Dinosaur Planet for the N64. Man, it is so crazy that we are able to play this game. Like, it is just so insane. What a time for the Rare community. And who knows what other ROMs are out there of other games that one day we will be able to play. This is just, it opens up so many opportunities. It's amazing. But my problem with this, there's a problem with this for me. My problem is there's an underlying little thing around all this that this Dinosaur Planet N64 build is a better game than Star Fox Adventures, which we eventually got for the GameCube. And I'll be honest, I sit on that. I hit that. You know why? Because I think Star Fox Adventures is a fucking great game. I just played through it all last week, and it's just, it's, it's so great. For me, personally, the Star Fox 64 is my favorite game of all time. So, the sequel to Star Fox 64, being made by Rare, my favorite developer of all time, and it's in the style of Ocarina of Time, one of my favorite games. How can I not love it? The fact that at the end you fight Andros and it's an even better boss battle than the one in 64. How could I not love it more? I love the Star Fox element to Star Fox Adventures. And I say screw that. Star Fox Adventures is a better game. Star Planet. Done. Well, thank you for the call, John. And uh, coming down on the side of Star Fox Adventures, which I have to admit, I like to hear because it feeds into my final thoughts. Um. Yeah, um, I guess a thing about this is you can't really come out of this on the side of Dinosaur Planet is a better game than Star Fox Adventures because we don't really have a complete game in Dinosaur Planet here. Um, yeah, at the end I, of the I day, think... and there is a vision for there. There is evidence of a in places a greater vision than what we end up in, within Star Fox Adventures, in that there's more areas than are present in Star Fox Adventures. But because of the realities of gameplay development, I mean, of game development, we don't know how much of that was like set to be on the chopping block if they continued with the original vision of dinosaur planet how much they would have changed in that regard or what fell by the wayside to like better develop the r-wing levels or things like that there's a lot that we can kind of see where it was going but also parts where we just don't know where they were headed yeah i think there's a tendency in fandoms to romanticize what might have been versus what we actually got. And uh, I'm really, really happy to hear uh, John's call here because I sort of agree with what he's saying. Maybe not as as adamant as he's saying it, but because I certainly see a lot of the 
virtue and ideals of Dinosaur Planet and what we might have had versus what we got, but um, I'll, I, I'll save that. I do apologize you're not getting like a wide variety of uh, opinions um, from your two co-hosts because I do know there are people in the community who do feel that things would ultimately have been for the better if the game had remained Dinosaur Planet, even if they do like Star Fox Adventures for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to say you're wrong. No, Nobody's wrong here, but I, I, I'm also, I, I guess part of my evolved philosophy from who I was 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago, or even five years ago, Cameron, uh, is to not lament so much and not be like ruined and broken by cynicism. Uh, we got a really good game out of this, and I'm just thankful we got that game, you know? Like, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, but. If only Randorn was in it. Oh, Randorn. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's one way to look at it is we got a version of Dinosaur Planet. We didn't get a we didn't get no game because it was canceled after languishing in development for six years. We got yeah, a finished when product. You look at, when you look at what happened with Donkey Kong Racing in the Saberman Stampede... I'm just glad we got Star Fox Adventures. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Let, let's take our second call, and then we'll, we'll converse a little bit more about this topic. All right? All right. Hey, guys. Rick here. Let me tell you, I ain't got any interesting topic, really. I, I just wanted to call and tell it like it is, all right? You know? So I, I grew up with Star Fox. Star Fox 64 got for my birthday. I loved it. I loved that game, and I loved Fox. Fox McCloud, you know, just like, just like, I can't believe I lost it in Sorry to jet, but I'm in a hurry. Like, man, what a fucking Chad, you know? God damn. And, uh, you know, I got adventures, and I thought things were a little off, even the back of the kid. But he's still so cool. Those fur effects, like, come on, man. Uh, the thing he's a lot better than he is in assault. He's a little off. He's really off in assault, I would say. He looks and sounds a little weird. But, look, that's whatever, because this dinosaur planet model, I love it. He's so cool. He's got a sword. What a fucking badass. Uh, the model looks great. I can't believe another 64 model of Fox existed. Just, just. Excellent. We need we need more Star Fox. That's all I got to say on that matter. Hey, man, y'all take it easy. Peace out. Thank you, Rick. Uh, also coming down on the side of the interpretation of Fox and Star Fox Adventures. Also coming down on the side of this model. Uh, and also giving us yet another vocal interpretation of Fox McCloud. <laughs> So I will if, always if come you... down on the side of we need more Star Fox. So. Yeah, you know that what's what's interesting, Cameron, is I feel like my enthusiasm for Star Fox and, and the DKU implications therein really did wane uh, after Star Fox Zero and just kind of the deflating experience of, of that whole thing. And you know, I'm I'm like I said, I'm not somebody who really 
wants to wallow in cynicism anymore. So, you know, I wouldn't even, like, go back and, like, complain about Star Fox Zero to the extent I did back then because it's just not worth it. Um, what it, it wasn't a Star Fox game for me, but I'm a weirdo who likes things like Fox's relationship with uh, Dinosaur Prince who eventually cheats uh, when he's racing bumpers who go to jail for public indecency. So, you know, like my version of Star Fox is not the same as the majority's version of Star Fox. But um, this is really whetting my appetite for more Star Fox again. And that's the first time in half a decade where I'm like, oh, man, I really want a new Star Fox game. But I would love if it really did follow from Star Fox Command or at least Star Fox Assault. And and really play with some of these elements again, even if it's just crystal, even if it's just yeah. crystal. I I really want either either like a, I mean, really, what I want is a direct follow up to command. I don't really feel like there was a reason to. I feel like I often hear like, well, command you can't really continue from because it had multiple endings, but. No, there's an ending in that game that's pretty much a status quo ending. Um, yeah. But even if you don't continue directly off of Command, I'd at least like to see the DNA of Dinosaur Planet feed back into it. You know, bring Crystal back in, bring Soria back in. I mean, they kind of, they at least reference Soria in like a Star Fox Zero or tie-in like animation, but you know, in a greater capacity, show that show that this part of your history is still informing your current choices. Um, and that's not to say like I'm totally going to hate every aspect of like rebooting that continuity. Um, my thoughts on Zero are well documented, but um, the game Starlink um, follows on from. Star Fox Zero using, like, it's continuity ambiguous, but it follows on from Zero's character designs and its sort of vision of Team Star Fox as it existed um, around the time of the events of Star Fox 64. And I really loved the Star Fox team in that game just by virtue of it's the Star Fox team and they're having fun character interactions that aren't directly rehashing the script of a two decade old game. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think like you can do Star Fox and like not, I, I, so many, so many fans are worried about Star Fox command and which ending will, would a sequel to that choose? And, you know, you can just get around it pretty easy and not decanonize everything. Star Fox doesn't need a reboot. It's just, it just, you, you can, you just don't need to remake Star Fox 64 again and again. Um, there's, there's uh, plenty of time where you could set games between assault and command or just follow on from command and just say this ending happened or, you know, something like this ending happened, or we're going to keep it super vague, which ending happened and leave it for the fans to sort out. It's fine. You know, just, I want games with crystal in them. I want games that directly acknowledge games that came before and I don't need the events of Star Fox slash Star Fox 64 slash Star Fox Zero retold yet again. Um, but 
Star Fox Advent, like, I I was a fan of the property with Star Fox 64. Star Fox 64 was a well-made game, uh, but I really fell in love with these characters. They felt like real, tangible characters to me, and not just, like, catchphrase meme factories with Star Fox Adventures. Specifically Fox, it made me, like you, really made me feel like the character Fox had layers. If you want a meme and... factory, you do still have Shabunga. <laughs> right well uh, a very like because i i think shabunga memes only play with uh our crowd I, I i think it wouldn't get much traction elsewhere but uh we're an insular bunch here but yeah i i, I want to see and, and that's what i loved about Star Fox assault right Star Fox assault to me is still my favorite uh so-called traditional Star Fox game because it dared to do more but it also followed from the events of Star Fox Adventures, I felt like the characters were growing. And even things like, I felt like the fox of that game was a direct consequence of the fox of Adventures and what he went through there. And that's how we got stuff like him forming this sort of new chapter in his relationship with a character like Wolf, right? Like their whole dynamic in that game was amazing. And I, I feel like we couldn't have got there, though, if we just had the Star Fox 64 Fox. Yeah. Um, Assault definitely shoots the closest to uh, of any post-Star Fox 64 game to where I want to see the series go, which is reconciling what came before all in the strongest aspects of that all into one title. Yeah. Um. You have you have the strong sense of continuity. You have you have on foot gameplay mixed in with um, the R wing and the Landmaster. And even though it doesn't always go that ele- elegantly, it's there. You have Crystal and Tricky, um, contin- like these characters that carry over. Um, even though it was from a very different lens, even uh, Assault's um, style is very informed by Star Fox Adventures in a, in a way that I think is honestly kind of puts uh, Star Fox Assault in an awkward position because I've said before Star Fox Adventures is one of the prettiest looking games on the GameCube. Star Fox Assault is not an ugly game, but parts of Adventures look better than it, and it just constantly invites the comparison to a degree that really isn't Assault's fault. Yeah, I, I remember the reactions to those screenshots on DK Vine when the game was first announced and how hard, of course, we were on it. Regrettably so. And then I actually, when I slush-funded it, when I when I sat down and, and played it and actually gave it a chance, oh, Cameron, I fell in love. And I was like, oh, God, this I it's Jungle Beat. Or, you know, actually, did I play Assault? Is Assault before Jungle Beat? I think Assault is before Jungle Anyway, but yeah, both it and Jungle Beat, um, two games that are very representative of taking these, what what had been follow-ups to Rare games, right, made by other studios, Nintendo, EAD, and Namco, in Assault's case, in the mid-aughts, and, you know... Of course, we had faults with them, but they both did their own thing really well. And um, Command is a different story. I like elements of Command. I like a lot of what Command did. But uh, I think when you're defending, you know, 
the possibilities for Star Fox uh, Assault is really what you want to put on a pedestal. And, um, yeah, I don't know. All, all this talk, all this, like, restoking of my love of Star Fox Adventures as a result of the Dinosaur Planet ROM, uh, it, it, it just... I, I hate that Star Fox has kind of almost gone the way of something like F-Zero, where I don't want it to. I want it to have a chance to thrive again. And we have, you know, high hopes for the future of Donkey Kong uh, and Star Fox. I just don't know, though. I And I don't, I don't think it's Star Fox is, is a priority, really, you know, because um, it's been a series that hasn't had as much success as Donkey Kong. And it's... It's even though it's you know one of Miyamoto's babies, um, I think it's it's harder to justify investing time and resources in it when it hasn't really paid off in the same way. Yeah, but, I mean, we have a difficulty. We we talk all the all the time about a roadblock to Donkey Kong games getting made is, I mean, which looks like it might be changing in the future. Hopefully, mm-hmm. is that ever since. Rare um, was bought out. Donkey Kong Country hasn't really been a series with a home. Donkey Kong is kind of couch surfed um, between developers. But to the extent that's true for Donkey Kong, it is extra true for Star Fox. Um, I don't think the same developer has handled a Star Fox game twice in a row. Um Except maybe I think uh, Q Games working on the um, 3D remake of Star Fox 64, but I don't think that's really the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and Star Fox 2, but that didn't come out until the SNES Mini, so it doesn't count. <laughs> um, because I mean, I technically, guess, I guess the, yeah. it didn't come out until the 2010s. Well, you know, that's that's really a depressing thing to consider oh our most recent release is a sequel from the early 90s that never actually saw release um but yeah i mean look i am an optimist at heart and i will remain hopeful for Star Fox. um who knows you know who knows what the future holds for any of this stuff so uh i'm just glad you know to see new people get into Dinosaur Planet and Star Fox Adventures as a result. And, you know, hopefully somewhere that GameStop manager um, is is playing the Dinosaur Planet ROM and realizing the error of his ways. It's like, oh, I should have reserved that game for that, for that teenager way back when. Um, anyway, uh, final thoughts, Cameron. Um Obviously, as we heard from the calls, people are champing at the bit now to play other fabled versions of games from this era of Rare. Uh, things like a, a 12 Tales Conquer 64 ROM, for example. Um, and I, don't, I don't know how well that would hold up, because from what I hear, like even the builds of the game at Rare are, are hard to get going. Um, I would think... Uh, like, um... Just per just my personal guess that if Dinosaur Planet, a game we know to have had a fairly concrete vision by December 2000 is as rough as it is in this state, 
Um, I wouldn't have high hopes for a very playable version of something like 12 Tales, a game we know was retooled specifically because the director didn't feel like it was that vision of the game was working out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing with all of these incomplete games. They're incomplete. So I, I know people have this fantasy of, like, getting to play 12 Tales Conquer 64 as this, like, this polished, complete product. Um, and I mean, I I have that. That's, I have that same fan. Sorry, I have that same fantasy with Saberman Stampede. You know, like Saberman Stampede for the longest time was the the white whale, the shrouded ghost, if you will, of uh, DK Vine. For me personally, like every E three was Saberman Stampede, Saberman Stampede, because it was the project that evolved out of Donkey Kong Racing. Yeah, it didn't used to be a running joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, I I get it. I get it completely, and I especially get having nostalgia for this era. Of course, I do. And you know, to to have a new experience from this era, you know, there's limited possibilities. There are the ROMs of earlier versions of the games that got retooled, and so I I get the enthusiasm for it. I would just temper expectations because, from what I hear. Uh, that would be a rougher experience than this, which is mostly playable up to an extent. Yeah, that said, I would still like to see, um, you know, pre-release visions of games and, like, get a better idea of what they were like. But I wouldn't count on the, say, requests I sometimes see of, you know, just, just plopped 12 Tales in Rare Replay as DLC and let people play it. Like, no, you're not going to have a functional game if you do that. So, uh, to speak to what John was talking about in, in the, the first call we took, is Dinosaur Planet, quote-unquote, better than Star Fox Adventures? And to that, I, I will say this. Um, obviously, it's all subjective. And in my opinion, while it's cool and, and surreal to see the Dinosaur Planet mythology uh, restripped of most of the Star Fox trappings and presented as its own thing. Uh, you know, Star Fox Adventures is undeniably the more polished of the two because it is a finished, complete product that saw release. Got the little official Nintendo seal and everything. And, and while I, I'm intrigued by what I've played and experienced here, something about it, I, I think, rang hollow to me. Uh, like, you know, I, I mentioned my experience seeing the Swap Stone, Rubble. It's like seeing a distorted version of an old friend, uh, like when Pietro shows up in WandaVision. Uh, you know, it, it's, it might be the original intention uh, behind everything, but I've lived with Star Fox Adventures for 18 years of my life. And so the Dinosaur Planet versions, they aren't my versions of the characters. This isn't my version of the planet Saria. And and I'll say that from what I've noticed, and I, I already brought this point up, but the grass is oftentimes greener for fandom. Uh, fandoms have a tendency, I think, to glorify the roads not taken because we've never been down that road so we've never experienced the disappointments of that road you know i liken it to when the script leaked for the original director's version of star wars episode 9 uh, before it was 
J.J. Abrams' Rise of Skywalker, it was Duel of the Fates, uh, which, you know, everything about the script from what I saw sounded absolutely terrible to me. Like, it, it was almost like a bad parody of, of Star Wars. But for those who were let down by or outright hated Rise of Skywalker, it became the more desirable version uh, the, the reality they wish they had experienced. And, you know, we see this all the time in Donkey Kong Universe and Rare fandom, especially revolving around the buyout, right? Like, what if Nintendo had bought Rare, or what if the Stampers hadn't sought about buyout at all and just continued the relationship? And, you know, I, I think it becomes this rose-tinted fantasy escapism that ignores the very reasons why things happened the way they did. And, you know, Jeff pointed this out, but Dinosaur Planet getting released on the Nintendo 64 as is, it certainly would have freed up the team to then get a running start on their next project, which they would have, you know, been developing for the GameCube. I guess Donkey Kong Racing, right? But that, that would have meant then eventually that, you know, when development shifted to the Xbox, they wouldn't really have to start from square one. Because uh, they were working on Star Fox Adventures right up until the end of the, you know, right up until the buyout. You know, it was a mad dash to get it out the door. So, you know, a, a benefit of the reality of where we got Dinosaur Planet earlier would have been this team would have been able to get a project you know, off the ground uh, quicker as a follow-up for the Xbox. Or, you know, maybe even we would have gotten Donkey Kong Racing out on the GameCube as the game they pushed out the door right when it was closing down who, who's who's to say but you know i think ultimately i've just got to be happy we got star fox adventures how we did yeah i like like you said this could have been saberman stampede this could have been a game that we watched the development of for years and then it was ultimately just canceled we got the game uh, it, it was just missing some of the elements. Some of it was rejiggered, and it became part of a bigger franchise. But it, it could have just gone the way of so many of these rare projects f- during the decade of the 2000s where they were ultimately canceled. Yeah, I I don't even think this was the implication, but I think back to an interview from a while back uh, with uh, with Phil Tossel. Um, that was uh, posted, I think, on Nintendo Life. And uh, he kind of explained that in this interview, he says, I think for me, it was a blessing to be working on Star Fox Adventures because we still had a clear deadline for completion of the game and knew we had to get it done before any sale occurred. Other parts of the company struggled for focus around that time because of all the uncertainty. So from our perspective, it really just spurred us on to get Star Fox Adventures finished. And I do really think about that a lot because Star Fox Adventures might be a heavily compromised vision of what they originally set out to do, but it's still a vision that was saw through to the end. Yeah. And that makes a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes a dinosaur planet of difference. (laughs) Oh, that was a dog shit way of ending it. Uh (laughs) This has been 
a File 2 production. Qué rico.